1: talk radio 77 wabc wabc new york and 107.1 wlirfm hampton bays Boy. this is sit in friends in the morning
2: friends, how many
1: 77
3: W.A.B.C. A judge just ruling that Donald Trump, his sons, Don Jr. and Eric, and the entire Trump organization committed extensive and persistent fraud over a decade. The ruling says the former president inflated the value of his assets by billions of dollars and then lied about his net worth on financial documents to banks and insurance companies. This now leads to the cancellation of the company's New York business license, which means the Trump organization could lose control over properties like trump tower in midtown manhattan the major win for new york attorney general letitia james who is seeking a fine of 250 million dollars and a permanent ban on the trump organization including trump himself from doing business in new york state a Staten Island judge orders Mayor Adams to immediately move migrants from a controversial shelter.
0: But the city has vowed to appeal, setting up another debate over the city's right to shelter law.
3: The Staten Island residents say that
4: a migrant shelter simply does not belong in this neighborhood. And now a judge agrees.
5: We couldn't be more pleased and we're going to continue to fight if necessary. People's hearts are in the right place and trying to help. But at the same time, we have to be logical and put the taxpayers of the city first.
4: The WGA tweeting out that the board, the council, and the negotiating committee have reached a tentative agreement with the AMPTP. The strike they're posting will end in terms of the agreement on the WGA website. The SAG-after strike continues. Meanwhile, members still have to vote on this, but this is really big development. That month-long strike back to work hopefully soon.
2: Brooks Robinson, the Baltimore fielding marvel, once again makes a fine play.
1: Mr. Impossible grabs it for a dazzling play. Brooks Robinson,
6: Mr. Oriole, was one of the greatest third basemen of all time, arguably the greatest defensive third baseman in the history of the game. His artistry on the left side of the diamond robbing hundreds of batters of sure base hits. Would you believe that?
4: Guys in another world. I mean, he's
7: unbelievable. Robinson won 16 consecutive Gold Gloves from 1960 to 1975. He led the Orioles to four American League pennants and two World Series titles. Robinson was a living legend.
6: Few players get to hear the words "greatest at his position" in the history of the game when they're still in their prime.
7: Zach Wilson the process. What are we talking about? I'm not. That, that's the the, you know you hit it on the head. That's the difference. It's the the Niners dumped the number one draft choice after a year and a half or two years because they knew he couldn't play. Bingo. And my team continues no. No. It's to trot out it's this this not Let me right tell you right now. You hate the Jets. You would love to see the Jets go two and fifteen. Stop it. I love. You're a Giant. If this was the situation with the Giants. You'd be screaming to get Wilson the hell out of here. First of all. Of-
2: Maybe we can talk all night. But that ain't getting us nowhere. I told you everything I possibly can. There's nothing left inside of- Maybe Skin!
8: You know, I can still hear this song playing now. I was uh, in a tent up in Monticello, New York, in the country. It was a out, It was a Winston Day Camp sleepout. And it was the first time I ever got to third base with a girl. I'm not going to get graphic about what third base is. Quite a way to start today's program, but that's why I'm number one. It was the first time I ever got to third base with a girl, and this song was playing in the background. I don't know what summer exactly this one came out, Meatloaf. This was a great album, one of the great rock and roll albums I think ever, Bat Out of Hell. But this song was playing in the background. I'm not going to say the girl's name. She still lives up in uh, Sullivan County, up in Monticello. But that is my vivid memory of this song. And today we celebrate the birthday of Meatloaf. He died last year. And he uh, he was a colorful guy. I think he was on The Apprentice. He was in movies. He did a whole bunch of stuff. And, you know, for a while there, he lost his voice. And he couldn't even sing. But he, uh, he did die last year. How old was Meatloaf, Lou Ruffino, when he passed away? Do you know? Yep. I wrote it down. How old? That's how,
0: that's how I know. 74.
8: He was 74, so he would have been 75 years old today.
0: 76, actually. I think oh, he's
8: his... gone almost two years. Okay. Yes. Yeah we coming up
0: onto you. Did you uh, did you like Meatloaf? Yeah. yeah, 1977 was that record. Oh, that was it. That makes sense. Yeah, I guessed it, and then I looked it that up. That
8: was the same year as Saturday Night Fever, and um, I want to say a lot of Barry Manilow's big hits came out that summer. I think Afternoon Delight was a big deal that summer, if not maybe before. I don't remember exactly, but it was uh, somebody who somebody big. Uh, oh, that was Elvis. Elvis, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's summer, Elvis August. died. August, And, of course, uh, that was the summer where you had the uh, Yankees beating the Dodgers in the World Series. Reggie Jackson hitting a home run in one game off three different Dodger pitchers. That was also the summer of the blackout here blackout. in New York City. And the most memorable of all, that was the summer of son of Sam, David Berkowitz, the 44 Magnum killer. That summer nineteen seventy seven was one of the most memorable in the history of this city. And sure enough, there you go, bad out of hell. Yeah, that was a bit
0: crazy year.
8: Nuts. Yeah. Nuts. I I just moved out of the Bronx up to Rock. You were living in the Bronx? I was living in Riverdale. Oh Riverdale, okay. That's not the Bronx. Bronx, I lived in Riverdale too. I lived in the beautiful century building where Jews play tennis and they swim. When you say the Bronx, I'm thinking the boogie down oh, no, like Bernard. Right, no, you know? it was not
0: boogie down. Yeah, not it the was, boogie down. It was Skyview. Yeah. <laughs> Skyview, Sky, no, the Bronx, <laughs> yeah. which is beautiful yeah. area. Oh uh, yeah, but yeah. that was not Bronx. No, man. not BX baby.
8: No. See I me. Mean, we talked uh, just now about that uh, Yankee Dodger World Series. The Yankees in 1976 got swept by the Cincinnati Reds, and George Steinbrenner. When the offseason said, no good getting to the World Series and getting swept, not good enough. So in that offseason, between the 76 and 77 season, George went out and got Reggie Jackson. And Reggie, of course, had that monster 77 World Series. Bucky Dent hit the big home run off of Boston in 78, got the Yankees back to the World Series. They won it again. Bucky Dent was also that year the World Series MVP, my friend Bucky. And then, of course, the Yankees got back in 1980 in the strike shortened season. And that year, Tommy Lasorda, Tommy John, all those guys actually beat the Yanks. But anyway, that was, uh, that was a great run. And if you heard in the open, you heard about the Donald Trump story. We'll get to that. Vito Pocella out in Staten Island. We'll get to that. Uh, you heard all the news that fit to print. Bob Menendez will get to tonight's debate in Simi Valley, California. But you heard a really nice little montage put together by the MLB Network about the passing of Brooks Robinson. So I was born in 1967. I was only two years old when the Mets, the Miracle Mets, beat the Baltimore Orioles in the World Series. That year, 1969, we talked about the summer of 77. What a year for New York. The Jets won the Super Bowl. The Knickerbockers won the NBA championship. The Mets won the World Series. Three of our teams won championships in one year. That's besides the fact we walked on the moon that year. We had Woodstock that year. And my gorgeous wife, celebrating her birthday today, Danielle, was born. Happy birthday, Danielle. I love you. happy birthday. Yes, Danielle. Happy birthday, Danielle. She hates this day. She hates birthdays. She used to (laughs) like them when she was younger. Now she's one of these people. I tell her to stop it. She gets mad at me. She's one of these people as she's getting older that doesn't enjoy birthdays anymore. Oh no wonder we didn't play us open a song. Yeah, no, we didn't do that. Okay, now it's but um but I love when I wish her a happy birthday. But that was a uh, a crazy year, '69. But I don't remember it because I was two when the Mets beat the Orioles in the World Series. But Brooks Robinson in 1966, his Baltimore Orioles swept the Los Angeles Dodgers in the World Series, and the year after 69 in 1970, the Orioles won the World Series again. They beat the Reds. So Brooks Robinson played in four ALCS series. He was a part of two championship teams. And in 1964, Brooks Robinson had a monster year. He won the MVP. Monster year. And then the Orioles, much like I talked about George adding Reggie, The Orioles, two years later, added a Cincinnati Red outfielder by the name of Frank Robinson. So now you had the Robinson guys. Brooks and Frank on the same team. And, of course, that very first year that Frank got to Baltimore, they swept the Dodgers and won the World Series. Now, they can pitch. Don't forget the 71 Orioles were the first team ever to have four. Four starters win 20 or more in the same season. McAnally, Dobson, Quayar and the great Jim Palmer. And they had Hank Bauer in the mid-60s giving way to Earl Weaver, one of the greatest managers ever. But Brooks Robinson was the greatest defensive third baseman in the history of the game, evidenced by 16 consecutive gold gloves, which has since been matched by Jim Cotton, Greg Maddox. But he could hit two. And uh, they called him a lot of names. You know you're great when you've got three nicknames, three. Mr. Oriole, of course, is the best of all, but he was also nicknamed the Human Vacuum Cleaner and Mr. Hoover. I knew a girl once in high school. No, don't. (laughs) Just
0: continue the way you were going. You were going fine. It was going great, wasn't it? (laughs) It wasn't great. Two out of three. (laughs)
8: Let's go back to the back seat. You know, talk about Meatloaf. You could only play stuff off of that album. Like he had a song that came out not that long ago, maybe a decade or less. What is that song? I I thought it was awful. It did great. Uh, you mentioned it this morning. You were going to play.
0: Oh, um, awful. Uh. uh, uh. I'll d- I would do anything. Yeah, that. Uh, terrible. I think it's on one of his Bad Out of Hell, one of right. the other
8: ones. No, it's all. not Bad Out of Hell. Yeah, but they had... Much he, later.
0: Yes, but he had two other ones
8: called oh, Bad Out, know. Out of Hell 2 and Bad Out of Hell 3. And while we're talking about Reggie and Brooks Robinson and baseball, the famous song off of that album is Paradise by the Dashboard Light, Bad Out of Hell, because Phil Rizzuto does a whole baseball call in the middle of that song, and very few songs in the history of music... Annoy me more than that song. But when you first heard it, oh yeah, it was great. You thought first time this
0: is cool. A hundred years ago, yeah, right. It was. It's like now it annoys the ago. hell out of me. It's stupid, and yeah. he didn't know he didn't know what it was about too. But he was brought into the studio to do it. Oh, is that right? Yeah, because he came on with Imus. He had no idea, uh, right? 20, yeah, what yeah. a oh, such a good guy, Phil. Rizzuno. Oh, Phil was a great he was guy. was Such a great yeah. guy
8: he was. So, Brooks Robinson spent his entire twenty-three year Hall of Fame career with the Orioles. And he died yesterday at the age of 86. Rest in peace, Brooks. Now, the big story, of course, you heard at the very top of the open, is my friend Donald Trump. I did speak to Lara last night. Sent um, sent Lara a text. I just want to read this uh, to you. After the ruling came down that the judge decided that Donald Trump had committed fraud, overvaluing his company, and now Trump bases a whole bunch of Really brutal possibilities. That's why Joe Tacopina is hopping on today. I said, Lara, hope you guys are okay. Such bullshizzle. Sorry. And she replied very quickly and said, thank you, Sid. The system is so broken. And she's right about that. The system really is broken. So if you don't know the story, the judge who hates Trump, you need to know this because this is the truth. The judge hates Trump. And uh, the judge decided that Donald Trump committed fraud. Now, for some reason, it's in the open, Justin, but I don't see that actual clip here on our, on our
9: um, page here. Of the news report? Yes. It's uh, number 20, I think.
8: Number 20. Okay. Uh, there it is. You're right. This is locally CBS2 New York reporting on this Donald Trump story. It's a big one. Here's what uh, went down late last night.
3: A judge just ruling that Donald Trump, his sons, Don Jr. and Eric, and the entire Trump organization committed extensive and persistent fraud over a decade. The ruling says the former president inflated the value of his assets by billions of dollars and then lied about his net worth on financial documents to banks and insurance companies. This now leads to the cancellation of the company's New York business license, which means the Trump organization could lose control over properties like Trump- Trump Tower in Midtown Manhattan. Tonight's decision is a major win for New York Attorney General Letitia James, who is seeking a fine of two hundred and fifty million dollars and a permanent ban on the Trump organization, including Trump himself from doing business in New York state.
8: Wow. So Donald Trump, of course, went right to truth, social, his social media home. And uh, this is what he wrote last night. Today's ruling about a company that has done a magnificent job in New York State, fails to acknowledge the fact that murder and all other forms of violent crime have reached record levels in New York State. Can you imagine ruling against me for having done business perfectly and yet letting people go on a rampage on the sidewalks of New York? This is the judicial conduct That is forcing thousands of companies to flee New York for other environs while virtually nobody comes back to the city or state. A very sad day for the New York state system of justice. And let me just say, I agree wholeheartedly. Now, uh, Trump ain't going to be at that stupid debate tonight, the second GOP debate which is in Simi Valley, the Ronald Reagan Library in California. You know the seven folks that will participate, which include Doug Burgum, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Fat Chris Christie, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Mike Pence. Trump is going to Detroit, and he's going to meet with the United Auto Workers. Biden was there yesterday, and uh, Alec, who does a great job with the Open, gave me a chance, if I wanted to, to play some Biden. But it was practically inaudible. I mean, he can't speak. He sounds stupid on his bullhorn with his stupid hat. And the truth is, Biden had no intention, I mean zero intention, of going to Detroit until he found out my guy Donald Trump was going. So I'm not going to play Biden today, but you could bet your ass I'll play Donald Trump tomorrow. So this, uh, this could be very, very bad, all kidding aside, for the president. I do want to get to the probability if not possibility of a government shutdown i know the senate put forth the bill yesterday led by that jackass chuck schumer and now i guess they're just waiting on the house and the house republicans fighting with republicans matt gates supposedly the big troublemaker in that one noam layton my uh, big time news guy what is the latest on the republicans the house and where are we going to be come this uh, deadline, which I think comes on Saturday?
4: Uh, I think this deadline is going to come and go, and we may actually see the shutdown, but the Senate's trying to stop it. They had this bipartisan package that they passed 77 to 19 last night, which essentially moves the deadline uh, to November 17th, gives people more time to sort of hash this all out. But as you say... In the House, uh, it's Republicans fighting against Republicans, and there's no thought that they're going to come to sort of any conclusion by Saturday. So if that doesn't happen, the shutdown would furlough millions of federal employees, which means they wouldn't get their paychecks. Uh, they'd probably get it retroactively somewhere down the road, but uh, it would disrupt, uh, you know, TSA workers. I mean, it could have some serious effects. Uh, and right now, if I had to guess, it looks like it's going to happen.
8: Wow. So your money is it's going to happen. There's going to be a government shutdown.
4: Yeah, I look I don't, I'm not the smartest guy in the room for sure, but You're up there. Uh the but when you see that the house they've there's been no movement towards making this happen, uh the Senate trying to, you know, make it happen and they're pushed. they push this bill through pretty easily last night. Yeah. That they're hoping the Republicans will jump on board and you know, carried across the finish line, but there's no sign they're going to do that.
8: Well, no. this is uh, Chris Clem. He used to be the former Border Patrol chief. He was on Fox, and one of the major issues, Mike Lawler was on this show yesterday, that Republicans want to pass is the border security, which right now is a sieve and is really the reason why we're having all these migrant, asylum seeker, illegal issues here in New York. This is Chris Clem. This is cut number seven, saying we got to shut it down. Cut number seven.
9: The federal government needs to to shut this down. They need to send all the resources they need. They need to go ahead and, and, and implement the policies that we started, that we had worked for for almost twenty five years to get this border secure. And most importantly, need to engage Mexico again in the firmest way we possibly can to include the source countries, because these are not just Mexican nationals and Central Americans coming through. These are people from all over the world. That are uh, that are coming into our border, and we've got to shut this down.
8: One more story that deserves to be mentioned at the top here is Bob Menendez. You have any opinion on Menendez? You know, I brought up yesterday that 2015 he was in trouble. There was a story in 2017 where he allegedly was uh, with teenage hookers in the DR. Now you got this cash and gold. I mean, basically, for nine years, this guy's been in trouble with some really tawdry stories. You have any real opinion? I think he's a scumbag. I do. Any opinion?
4: Uh. Uh, gnome on Bob Menendez? Uh, he's hes in a host of trouble. No two ways about it. You have the feds after you, and they have all this evidence that they laid out of hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash that he was keeping in his home, those gold bars, and today he makes his uh, court appearance on this indictment. Obviously, he's going to say that he's not guilty, And uh, but you had yesterday his good friend, Cory Booker, who's the junior senator from New Jersey, the latest person to say he should step down. That was a big deal. Yeah. I think that was probably a crushing blow to him because they've they've been very friendly over the years there's like 20 new jersey
8: politicians you're right cory booker was this guy but it went all the way to the governor phil murphy the governor of new jersey who said bob you need to step down Lurafino this is phil murphy cut number three i believe strongly that the senator needs to take that step god willing he will uh in the interests of all new jerseyans so there it is, even the governor getting involved. Right, big, big show about to come your way. Lots to cover. Big win for Staten Island yesterday. Congratulations to Vito Fusada, the St. John's Villa Academy. Really congratulations to my guy, Curtis Slewa who's making all this happen, him and those Staten Island Rebels. We'll talk to the attorney, Lou Jellarmino, big one coming up at 6.45. The aforementioned Curtis Sliwa here for his daily appearance coming up at about 7.05. Bill O'Reilly will make two appearances in consecutive days, his regular 8.40 spot tomorrow. But today, the day after his new book, The Witches, The Killing of the Witches comes out, we'll talk to Bill O'Reilly coming up at 7.40. Eight He's been everywhere. Another embarrassing loss for the Jets, him and Joe Namath. WFAN legend, my former partner, Joe Benningo, will be here. 825, Joe Tacopina. What is Donald Trump really facing after this loss here in New York State? 840, Congressman Peter King. And coming up at 925, very excited about this. One of my favorite talk show hosts ever, Michael Savage. It's been years since so I've uh, spoken to Michael. We'll do that today. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC, one 800 Again, a very happy birthday to my beautiful wife, Danielle. I love you. We'll come back on the Wednesday Tunnel the to Towers edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning. Happy birthday also. Meatloaf.
2: I
1: friends in the morning 77 wabc and now Sid in friends in the morning presents how does sid rosenberg make you feel here's justin ellen on how he feels when sid talks during the sports report
9: i see the red light on his microphone i see it turn on i see him glare i see him put his headphones on and i know it's coming i know it's coming i try to push it all out I try to get to my point, my point, my point, and he squashes all over it, it makes me feel little, it makes me feel small, it makes me feel unworthy. But at the end of the day, it's his name on the program. But maybe one day, it'll be my name. And now, back to more of Justin and Friends in the morning. 77 WABC.
8: What? Justin and friends in the morning. I can see it. Why not? What if one day
0: you're home retired, and you're yeah. looking for a sports thing, and that's still going on, and Justin's with some other
8: guy doing a... You can see it, This right? is not going to sound like a compliment, but it is. There's worse on this station and radio today. <laughs> Just trust me. No, that's a big, worse. big compliment. Yeah. <laughs> Lou Gelarmino, Curtis Slewa Bill O'Reilly, Joe Beningo, Joe Tacopino, Peter King, and Michael Savage all to come uh, today on this program, and uh, Lou is coming on because, again, that St. John's Villa Academy, while well, the migrants, will like to call them illegals, migrants and asylum seekers really makes me nauseous. The illegals, they got to go. Get out. That's it. See ya. And at the sake of repetition, let me say that I don't blame these people. Like I've said, I don't know, 100 times. If I woke up this morning in Honduras and saw some guy stared outside my apartment, I'd want to come to New York, too. I don't blame these people. I blame our political leaders for allowing everyone to come, unvetted. See, that's the word you never hear Adams or Hokel or Biden or Harris or Mallorcas unvetted. That's the word that makes this all horrendous. So uh, Adams, they got to go. Because Staten Island won the case. Now, the city is appealing it because they need a spot to put these folks. And for some reason, they're not taking what both me and John Katz Katzmatidis have been saying for months, which is Rikers Island. So this is Staten Island Borough President. I really like this guy. Vito Posella, on with Katz yesterday. Katz and Cosby, terrific show, 5 p.m. every weekday afternoon, talking about the appeal. Now, don't forget. One of the two attorneys that won this, Lou Gellarmino, he's going to join me next. We go from Lou to Curtis before breaking out boys like Bill O'Reilly, Joe Beningo, Michael Savage, Peter King. So it's a huge show. But this was veto yesterday on Katz and Cosby talking about the upcoming city appeal and why really they don't have one. Veto, cut number nine.
5: The judge really destroyed the whole argument, as I mentioned this right to shelter concept, there's no law that uh, stipulates that it should be in place. There's no constitutional right. Uh, So when you go to the appellate division, I'd love to hear the professor's uh, or the judge's opinion on if there's no law in place, what are they going to appeal to? There's nothing to hang their hat on, at least on the surface.
8: Can you tell me, I know my friend Nicole Maliotakis will join us tomorrow. She was excited yesterday. The Supreme Court... They announced something about right to shelter. And you reached out to me, Justin. And I know you booked Nicole for tomorrow. Do you know any of the specifics as to what Nicole will be talking about in terms of right to shelter?
9: Uh, I can look at the message she sent me. I mean, I know
8: she's been saying for months that the mayor seems to confuse right to shelter mm-hmm. with Sanctuary City. Well he, at least he's he's confused on what exactly like yeah. right the shelter means. I
9: mean the tweet the so the tweet that I was sent says it was her tweet it says New York Supreme Court confirms what I've been saying all along, New York City's right to shelter was intended for homeless New Yorkers. Correct. And the mayor should stop housing migrants immediately. So right. That, so that's the gist of it, was it wasn't really ever intended for illegal immigrants, which seems obvious to me.
8: Right. Well, again, we'll talk to Lou Jellarmino and Curtis Sliwa coming up. Nicole maliotakis will join us tomorrow. But it is Wednesday. And you know, every Wednesday we do the Tunnel to Towers update. This past Sunday was a huge success and it always is thank you for helping us raise money for the tunnel to towers 5k walk run it was a rainy day wasn't very nice Arab Yom kimper but thousands and thousands showed up to show their love for frank siller who's a wonderful man his brother steven siller who died a hero in this city it was one of the biggest events in the city all for americas heroes on sunday our friends at the tunnel to towers foundation held their annual 5k run and walk in new york city the course retraced the final footsteps of their chairman and ceo frank siller's younger brother fdny firefighter Stephen siller on the morning of september 11 2001 through the brooklyn battery tunnel to the twin towers i was there running with the 77 WABC team. It was incredible to see and to meet so many of our listeners out there on the course while we honored those we lost on September 11, 2001, as well as those lost to 9-11 related illnesses and the global war on terror. We ran alongside Tunnel to Towers program recipients, catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, fallen first responder, and Gold Star families. I speak with so many of these families on air and at events. They truly represent the best of America. Even if you were not able to join us on Sunday, you can still support the Tunnel to Towers Foundation as they honor America's heroes and their families. Just go to T, the number 2T dot org. That's right, folks. Never forget. Join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on its mission to do good in honor of America's heroes, including Stephen Siller. God rest his soul. Donate just $11 a month. Do it today at T, the number 2T dot org. That's T, the number 2T dot org.
1: This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness! Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC.
9: Justin Ellick here with your bottom-of-the-hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan of Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, com. To find a dealer near you, they're the world's best at built boilers. Just some baseball action to get to from last night as the Mets got postponed. It was just the Yanks freaking out a two to nothing victory on the road over the Blue Jays in the first of three with Toronto. Toronto did hold a two game lead over the Houston Astros for the AL second wild card spot with the loss last night and Houston having the night off. That lead is now down to just a game and a half with just five days left in the regular season. So schedule. After the season ends today, Toronto does not make the playoffs. Right? No, they, they, they would. They would be in that second wild card No, isn't,
8: isn't it the Rays and the Astros or did Toronto uh, jump Toronto over the Rays?
9: Toronto's over right now ahead of Houston. Okay. By a game and a half. So it's Toronto and Houston would play uh, yes, would play in that play-in game. That well, wild card play. Well, no you have no idea, Well, it's a, it's very complicated you mean, you to think off the top head. I, I need to be looking at you a just bracket. Have no but, idea. Yes. Well, I just told you.
8: Yeah, but I think you're wrong. Just continue your sports report, and I'll give you the right information. Not that I ever want to jump in during your report. He saw the
0: red light come on.
9: I don't don't think I'm wrong, but uh, if I am, I guess I'll be corrected. Uh, But, uh, all right, so you got that going on. Uh, The teams that have clinched so far, seven out of the 12 spots have been clinched. Those teams include Baltimore, Tampa Bay, and Minnesota in the American League. The National League has seen Atlanta, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Los Angeles clinch playoff. Birds up to this point, some tight races to watch. The AL East, yes. Well, three
8: teams, uh, wild card teams, make it, right? Yes, yes. So you're right. It is Baltimore, Tampa Bay, like I said, and Toronto. You're right. Right. And Toronto with a, a slim lead, I believe,
9: over Seattle. That's it? Okay. That, that's it. You got it. You nailed it. Thank, Thank you, Sidney. But some tight races to watch there as the as the season dwindles, uh, dwindles down here. The AL East is still tight. Orioles lead by the Rays by uh, two and a half games. Baltimore also holds a tiebreaker there. In the AL West, the Rangers lead the Astros by two and a half games and Mariners by three games. The NL wildcard is really the tight race to watch here. The D-backs are in the number two wildcard spot, leading the Cubs by one game. The Marlins are half a game behind Chicago, but hold the tiebreaker advantage over the D-backs and the Cubs. And then the Reds, they're still hanging on. They're a game and a half uh back of the Cubs for the third NL wildcard spot. And the top
8: spot, I guess, in the NL wildcard belongs to the Philadelphia Phillies. Yes, yes
9: indeed. They clinched last night and of course a sad day throughout baseball yesterday with the passing of brooks robinson he was 86 years old sports sponsored by pete morgan and peerless spoilers go to com, spoilers.com pavilion com to fund a dealer near you they're the world's best built boilers and i'm justin ellick on 77 wabc
1: 77 WABC. This is "Sit and Friends" in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends.
5: We couldn't be more pleased, and we're gonna we're gonna continue to fight if necessary. People's hearts are in the right place and trying to help, but at the same time, we have to be logical and put the taxpayers of the city first.
2: Oh, this is
8: uh, the classic Louie, 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 Louie. And when you consider Lou Rufino is a guy that just played this song, and Louie Jellarmino's on the phone, that's a lot of Louis. So I'll just play this for a bit here. This is Louie, 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 Louie.
2: Louis,
8: come on. Louis, is a big-time attorney out on Staten Island, and you know that Curtis Sliwa, who's coming up next and The Rebels, led by folks like uh, Real American Patriots, Johnny Tobacco, Scott Lobato. They've been out there fighting and fighting to keep the illegals out of St. John's Villa Academy, a, a home for uh, elderly people as well. They fight on Staten Island and they do a better job, quite frankly, than any other borough. Now, I did speak to Joanne Ariola yesterday. She's in Washington D.C. today, and she is continuing our fight in Brooklyn/Queens to keep the illegals out of Floyd Bennett Field. But Staten Island got a big win yesterday—a landmark victory. And here he is, one of the two attorneys who got the win. My friend Lou Gelarmino. Lou, congratulations, buddy. How you feeling this morning?
6: Thank you, Sid. Thanks for having us. Wow, what a lead. Louie, Louie, <laughs> I haven't heard that song in a while. Put a big smile on my face. Thank you so much.
8: You're welcome. Uh, well, congratulations. Uh, it comes down as a win. Now, I know you had a minor victory not that long ago, and they took it away from you, and they'll be in the appeals court coming up here trying to do it again. But at least as of right now, 6.51 on this Wednesday morning, the impetus is on Eric Adams to move the migrants out so tell me, how did it be able to get the victory, and do you feel like you're going to keep the win?
6: Well, it felt good. You know, one of the things that uh, we we're really happy about is we, we had a judge, Judge Ozzie, that made a really thoughtful, uh, responsible decision, very well written, a 30-page decision. You know, his decision well went well beyond Staten Island. Not only does the St. John's Villa get out of there, uh, the judge made a decision to overturn the the New York State so-called right to shelter decree that's been in place for 50 years. And you notice I said decree because it has not been a law for 50 years. And Judge Ozzie saw it as such and overturned it. So now we have a situation which the mayor actually wanted. He has been trying to overturn this right to shelter decree for the last two months. So Judge Ozzie actually gave the mayor exactly what he was looking for. So now the ball is in the mayor and the city's court, and let's see what happens.
8: Well, well, you know, it's funny you say that because there are some people that say that Eric uh, Adams kind of confused sanctuary cities with right to shelter. Then he wasn't sure if right to shelter was for just homeless or homeless and migrants. So here's where I'm confused, and I think Eric will join me tomorrow. He has been trying your right to, to remove the right to shelter for a couple of months. But at the same time, at the same time, he keeps going on and on how we must treat these illegals humanely and has gone over the top. He has bent over backwards to treat them better than Americans, than homeless and veterans. So which one is it? Does he want the right to shelter so we can treat the migrants the way he has been treating them? But he's wanted to go away. At that point, you can get those people out of here. Which one does he really want?
6: Well, I think we're going to see that answer today or tomorrow, Sid. If he – the city put in a notice of appeal in our case yesterday. They haven't fully appealed. I think they want to digest the decision and make the right choice and see where they want to go. So hopefully we'll have an answer for that today, and they'll make the right choice and decide, hey – this right-to-shelter decree wasn't meant for people from China, from North, uh, North Africa, from Venezuela. It was meant, as you said, for our homeless and our veterans.
8: So if I'm Joanne Ariola, and she represents uh, Queens, Rockaway, but Brooklyn as well, we've got Jamie Williams, a Democrat, Assemblywoman, She represents Mill Basin and all those parts around Flatbush Avenue in in Brooklyn. And they are trying to do the same thing. Like you said, it's kind of a New York State thing, not just a Staten Island thing. Why wouldn't they go to their lawyers and have their lawyers use the same ammunition here and just say that right to shelter doesn't work and, therefore, these illegals have no right to stay there? Why, Why wouldn't they just all use what worked for you?
6: Well hopefully it will. I mean in, in the in the Floyd Bennett case, there's the added dimension of it being a federal park and federal lands. So we have to get over that or whatever whatever attorney uh is 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 handling the case has to get over that hump, the federal jurisdictional hump there. So that that adds a, a legal layer there. Um so um I think what will happen eventually is everybody will be citing this case, though, if it doesn't get overturned.
8: I want to play something that Vito Pocella, your borough president, your buddy there, Louis, said yesterday with John Katzmatidis on Katz and Cosby, talking about the constitutional right of right to shelter, which, as you just explained, doesn't exist. It's not even a law. Let me play this, get your marks, and you tell me how the city can possibly win an appeal against you guys. Vito, cut number nine.
5: The judge really destroyed the whole argument, as I mentioned. This right to shelter concept, there's no law that uh, stipulates that it should be in place. There's no constitutional right. Uh, So when you go to the appellate division, I'd love to hear the professor's uh, or the judge's opinion on if there's no law in place, what are they going to appeal to? There's nothing to hang their hat on, at least on the surface.
8: Sounds like a very good question to me. Now, he's a brilliant guy and a borough president, not a lawyer. You are. But based on the Constitution, based on the law? They don't really have an appeal, do they?
6: Well, let me correct you a second. Vito is a, a very good friend of mine. We graduated high school together, and we're still dear friends. And he is an attorney. Well, yes, yeah. he did graduate law school from law school also. And he's absolutely right. Just like he is absolutely right about most things, um, there is no New York State constitutional right to shelter. There's there's a vague reference in the constitution of New York state that, that that says basically, we have to be nice to people that um, are homeless or, or in need. They use the term in need. That doesn't mean, again, that we have to house people from all over the world that just come to us at any time. I mean, it's an absurd notion and Vito is absolutely right. It is not based in law. It is not based in the constitution.
8: Sorry, Vito, you are an attorney who knew, so that explains uh, partly why you're so brilliant. Uh, Lou, I do want to ask you then, if the appeal does lose, and it sounds like it will, uh, how quickly does the mayor have to act on getting those illegals out of Staten Island?
6: I would imagine very quickly. Last, the last time we brought the decree, the last time we won two, three weeks ago, uh, we got them out of that very quickly. We were on the bus within 24 hours. Um, If the mayor loses, I assume, though, that he's going to take it up one more level to the the highest court in New York State, which is the Court of Appeals in New York State. And I'd imagine we're going to have an argument up there because it is such a landmark decision.
8: But what's the difference? I mean, if there's no constitutional right and no law, whether it's the state Supreme Court or at the city level, what's the legal difference for their side? Doesn't sound like there is one.
6: There is not a legal difference, just a higher uh, appellate court. Uh, Most people don't realize this in New York State. Our highest court is the Court of Appeals. Most states, the highest court is the Supreme Court. We do it backwards. Our lower courts are the Supreme Court, and our higher court is the Court of Appeals. So that's where it looks like. It's such a big, big decision. I think uh, what will happen, I'm I'm pretty sure will happen, that we'll have to go to the highest court in New York State before it's finalized.
8: You know, as we wrap this up, Curtis Sliwa, who is uh, the face of this revolution, if you will, and I'm proud of him. I really am. I've been out there three times with him, twice at Floyd Bennett Field and once in the parking lot of Toys R Us in Brooklyn on Flatbush Avenue, uh, kind of spearheading this thing for that area. But he's been out there with Creed He's been there in Brooklyn. He's been on Staten Island a million times. He's been arrested Four or five times uh, since this thing started, and 80 or 81 times in his uh, Brooks Robinson brilliant career. Uh, but when you look at what Curtis has done, and tobacco, and libido, and veto, and all these folks on Staten Island, Lou, and you, quite frankly, you, Lou Gelarmino, big time attorney, getting this done. How proud are you of your borough?
6: Well, I have to add my partner, Mark Foddy, in there, who's been at the forefront of this and a, and a true American patriot. He really is. I am so proud of Staten Island. You know, we've we've become the butt of a lot of jokes lately. And and one of the things as I was listening to your leading is also we have the Stiller Foundation here in Staten Island that does amazing work. Uh I'm so proud of these guys, Lobeto Tobacco, my, my my dear friend Vito, um to, to, to be at the forefront of true patriotism. Again, we have nothing against these migrants. Staten Island is just like New York City residents, just like Americans, are charitable people. But there's a limit to our charity. There's a limit to our patience. These migrant situations, this migrant situation in New York City and in America, is just overwhelming us, and we have to put an end to it.
8: Like the mob always says, don't confuse my kindness with weakness, Lewis. So, um, So on the way out, a lot of your good buddies, including your best friend Vito, and Nicole and Joe Borelli and others want to see your borough succeed. You have an opinion on that?
6: It's time, Sid. It's time that it's been a it's been a long time, Gov'n, where we are a small percentage of the city, but we pay the highest percentage of taxes. We get the least amount of services. We are a small conservative, strong conservative voice for for the state. And, and basically, we're just getting stepped on on uh, on every end. The state doesn't listen to us anymore. The city doesn't listen to us on it anymore. We have a city council where we're only four out of fifty-one, I believe, uh, in the representation uh, uh, at the city council. At the state legislature level, it's the same. It's the same kind of ratio. It's time for us to determine whether we want to secede and govern
8: ourselves. Lou Gellarmino, you're a true American hero. Great work here. I mean it. Great work. I wish you were my attorney in Brooklyn and Queens, too, for Joanne. But uh, at least, at the very least, you set the precedent that this could be won. I wish you the best of luck in the appeals court when it gets to the Supreme Court as well. Either way, you've done an outstanding job. You're a terrific guy. Thank you so much.
6: Hey, thank you for all you do. We truly appreciate it here at Staten
8: Island. Thank you so ah, much. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. I never really knew much about Staten Island. Other than um, getting stuck on the expressway when I would take go to New Jersey to go upstate to see my parents. But since I've come here, Frank Murano, Joe Borelli, Nicole, all these other folks, Vito Lou, I have grown to love that borough. And in terms of representation of what I believe in, my politics, my passion for this country, I'm a Brooklyn boy. Brooklyn, I think, is the greatest place ever. But the most patriotic borough in this state and the best people in this state i gotta give it to them staten island hour number two which includes curtis sliwa and yes a special appearance by bill o'reilly killing the witches is out is coming up after noam with the news
1: Talk radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. what you say? He's
2: just a friend. Ooh, you're my best friend.
1: 77 WABC. Boy! Boy!
8: Great lead singer of the Eagles and the classic Dirty Laundry as we start our number two big, big Wednesday show. Bill O'Reilly, Mike Savage, Joe Beningo, Peter King and others still to come. But of course, right after speaking to big time Staten Island attorney Lou Gellarmino, who got a huge win for the folks on Staten Island. And maybe everybody, maybe everybody yesterday, we talked to the man that makes it all happen. He's the guy. You know, we we say a lot of nice things about Johnny Tobacco, deservedly so, and Scott Lobato, and deservedly so, and Lou Jellarmino, and the Rebels, and all these other folks. But the truth is, the truth is, if you are against the illegals being here, and I don't care how you feel about them personally, I, for one, I protect them. It's not their fault. It's not. But they don't belong here. They need to go. If, in fact, you feel the same way, there's one man, one you need to thank at the very top of the list. He's the guy that gets big ratings noon to one every weekday afternoon here. He's the guy that gets big ratings weekend overnight here. He's the guy that joins me at this time every morning and gets big ratings with me every day. He's the icon. He's the legend, Mr. Guardian Angel himself, my friend Curtis Lee. So uh much like I congratulated Lou Curtis, For your hard work at St. John's Villa Academy outside that assisted living facility. Congratulations to you.
11: Well, thank you. Now, we were mentioning high schools. Uh, Peter King will come on and remind you that he graduated Brooklyn Prep to Jesuit High School, and they kicked me out, and I never looked back. But what you really were giving credit to with your interview with Lou Gerlomino, but he was too humble to mention it, was a victory for Monsignor Farrell on Staten Island over Poly Prep Day School. Because your two attorneys, Arthur Idala and Joe Tacapina, were too busy to help the people at Floyd Bennett Field, what? or as Idala said, you can't win. Notice, it took Monsignor Fraud, let me mention, Lou Geraldomino. right? Yeah. You had John Tobacco. Oh. You have Vito Fasella. Mm-hmm. You have State Senator Andrew Lanza, who was at every rally from beginning to end. Farrell triumphs over, and what kind of men would
8: say, oh, I went to
11: poly prep days?
8: What, what is, what is your issue? Here I am giving you credit, celebrating a win. Yes. You can't even take it nicely. You gotta, for some, for reason, which makes no sense, try to attach it to two of my best friends who, by the way, represent, I don't know, Donald Trump. That's how big these guys are. Oh, and Rudy Giuliani mentioned that. Uh, right. Arthur Rydalo, right. representing Rudy Giuliani pro bono. Yes, yes. So why do you feel the need to attack these uh, men after a Staten Island win? Just to
2: point Taka out. Pena's
8: coming on today.
11: Yeah, well, you asked him oh, why he was so busy going back and forth to Italy to watch his fourth-rate uh, soccer team there, right? They couldn't oh, even compete <laughs> in Libya or Eritrea. Oh, uh, God. Why he didn't have time to handle Floyd Pettifield. But let me make mention. <laughs> You started the program by mentioning Meatloaf and how you got to third base. Let me tell you something. Knowing you, it probably called it a ground rule double. (laughs) Probably it was more equivalent to what we saw Bill de Blasio canoodling with some female for like three hours. Hey, Bill, midlife crisis. He's got black Esquire shoe polish in his hair. Madonna, my
8: This guy is a degenerate. Wait, well, hold on a second. Uh, I know you were upset a couple days ago when Artie Idala made the point that uh, all he did was give money to Bill, which which is bad enough. I love you, Artie. You but didn't you didn't see those pictures? No.
11: Three what? hours he was necking with a woman uh it's some garden. Well, when uh, was
8: this? this was, it's all over the post. But hold on a second. Now here's where I have to defend him and his, his horrible wife. She's horrible. She's horrible inside. She's horrible looking. They did say when they were separating a couple of months ago that they were going to live together because they know they'll both be arrested if they don't uh, and have to go to court. Uh, But they did say it was going to be an open marriage and that they were going to see other people. Yes, and why don't you
11: tell your friend Andy Cohen to do a Bravo special
8: on (laughs) them, right? The House of Horrors in Park Slope. Well, I have to imagine whatever lady he was with was more attractive than his wife. Oh, my
11: God. But, but it was like teenagers. It was like you when you supposedly got to third base. It was. Really, was the, the no, no. summer of 1977 no, no, no. The, the umpire, the umpire, in second like The umpire ruled it a ground rule double. Come back to second base. What are you talking
8: about? You know, it's funny you say ground rule double because... I know that uh, Ray Kelly gave you credit for your sports knowledge last week, and on a serious note, all kidding aside, you have done sports shows in this city. Five or three times, by the way, doing sports shows. That's okay. And by the
11: way, before you give me any credit, I really believe that after Joe Benigno gets on his hands and knees and apologizes to you for going off, he would make a great talk show host here at WABC. Oh, I've I've ten times. Look, he's a Poli Sci
8: grad. I no, listen. Some
11: people realize this guy knows politics as well as he knows sports.
8: Every time he comes on with me, he spends equal amount of time talking about Donald Trump, yeah. Joe Biden, as he does sports. What well, well, my, sis, my sister, perfect weekend guy. My sister lived in Garfield for a
11: while, and she said you mentioned Joe Benigno, and it's like you were walking on water.
8: Oh, of course, and and he has come to me, expressed interest. I've mentioned it to Chad. Oh, you should. I, I mean. <laughs> He could the, the, replace half the people here who put to sleep. Half? Well, three-quarters. Yeah, if he ends up here on the weekends, oh. and, and he would do it. Now, right now, he's getting a paid spot from Evan and Tiki to show up afternoons at WFN. No, 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 no. But he wants to do this. He right, wants to do you. politics and sports. But uh, we'll get to Beningo He's coming up at 8.10. But I did talk earlier in the Oh, by the room. way,
11: one last thing. Yeah, you have on Michael Wiener coming up, a.k.a. Michael Savage. Yes. He went to Jamaica High School on the hill. He went to Queens College. I thought the guy was dead, the old (laughs) Al-Tacaca. Where did you find
8: him? Well, he's out of radio, but he has a very successful podcast. He's got a new book coming out this week. Don't worry, Michael Savage, who I think is wildly entertaining, is alive and well. But I did mention Brooks Robinson earlier. Now, I was only two years old. When the Mets played the Orioles in that epic 1969 win. I wasn't even born in 66 when him and Frank Robinson swept the Dodgers. And I was only three years old when him and Robinson and the Orioles, led by Earl Weaver, beat the Reds in 1970. You're older. You remember oh, Brooks so Robinson. How quickly. How good.
11: First of all, the guy was a vacuum cleaner. Hoover vacuum cleaner at third base. That was
8: his nickname. He had three nicknames: Mr. Oreo, the human vacuum cleaner, and Mr. Hoover. You know, Mickey Mantle, when he was in a slump, he would do a drag bunt.
11: Uh, he would either drag bunt to first to Boog Powell. Remember Boog Powell, He was of MVP course. in 1970, a Florida boy. This guy could have hit the ball a mile. Or he would go the opposite way, and he'd lay down a bunt because he wanted to break the slump. he never do that anymore. And Brooks Robinson would come in, and he was like Gumby. He was like in 52 different directions. Yeah. And Mickey Mantle was fast. And he would talk about, the guy was magnificent. But what you failed to mention out of that great Baltimore Orioles team, a man who never got his due, probably as great a uh, center
8: fielder as Willie Mays and Ken Griffey Jr., Paul Blair. He was a great defensive player. He played for the Yankees too, but he was not nearly the offensive player of the two guys. No, you no, just but mentioned. he he would play a short center and yeah. he would dare you to hit the ball over his head. Oh I know. And
11: hooker by crook, he'd always come up with the ball. He was a chatterbox. He would talk trash before you know you were permitted to talk trash. The guy was great, and maybe the ugliest ball player ever to play. <laughs> looked like he got hit in the face 5,000 times with a baseball. They they rotated. There was Elrod Hendricks catching, and Andy etcher Yes. What looked uglier, the baseball mitt, the catcher's mitt, or Andy etcher face? <laughs> he must have had so much acne when he oh, was yes. a kid. What the hell? Didn't you use clear Andy? <laughs> what a great team that was. And as you mentioned, the four pitchers, all yeah. of them 20-game winners, And somehow, I'll never forget, I think it was the seventh inning, game number three, I'm thinking back, bases loaded, two out, Paul Blair up, he hits one deep, and another great center fielder, Tommy Agee, goes diving into the track, makes a basket catch, and deprives the Baltimore Orioles of a victory in that game. You see, as much as I hate the Mets, even I give credit where
8: credit is due. Well, 1969 was just a miracle season, and just to kind of, transfer back to a transition, I should say, to where we started. I'm not sure it took a miracle for Gero to win yesterday because the law and the Constitution seems to be playing in your favor, Curtis. So I want you to know that I called Joanne Ariola right after uh, I found out that Lou won. And she was very happy. She called one of her constituents on Staten Island, one of her friends, too. And uh, she's on her way to uh, D.C. as we speak this morning to speak about this crisis. And I said, look, these guys got the win and besides the fact that it's on federal property, there's a flood issue there, why can't you use the same exact reason? The right to shelter doesn't exist. Look, it just doesn't exist. Look, how many
11: times have we said it's time to replace managers, whether you're a Met man, you know, Buck Walter or whatever No, eight.
8: not time. He needs to come back one more time. All right. Well,
11: whether you want Aaron Boone needs boom. to go. Okay. It's time, Joanne, get rid of John Shampoli He is a election lawyer. They already, they've struck out. They, they, they made one strike in their appeal. They went to the wrong judge in the wrong place. Is
8: that true? Yes.
11: So wait, but isn't the
8: injunction in place or am I wrong? No, no, there's no No. injunction in place. No injunction in place.
11: Wrong lawyer. It's not an election issue. Right now you should turn to John and say, stick to the elections. Let's bring on Lou Gerlamino and Mark Fonte. They know how to do this. Well, they work in
8: Brooklyn and Queens. Of course. Well, Remember, so the Veriz- gotta,
11: well, The Verrazano Bridge is attached. Without the Verrazano Bridge, there would be no Staten Island. That's true. Half of Brooklyn went there. That's true. So these guys, have these guys, though, have they said to you that they'd be willing to do this? Well, uh, they have so many cases out there. Remember, they still have Fort Wadsworth that they want to shove illegal aliens, to. I got to tell you, what happened to your guy there? The guy who represented everybody who tried to kill me in the past.
8: I was ready to forgive <laughs> him, Murray. Well he said when in fact they need to go to court over this we go to that federal he would call. go.
11: We gotta go to the federal court. Look, you you gotta organize a sit down. I'll come out to the Rockaways <laughs> yeah. while we'll Michael Sullivan there, the Sullivan boys. Yeah. Let's sit down and figure this out. We should. Because I have a feeling as much as I want Joanne Ariola and Nicole Malia and our assemblywoman friend Williams' lawsuit to win, wrong lawyer, wrong place, wrong time we got to go with the
8: best. Listen, I'm taking your word for it because any success that anyone is having here, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, is you. You're the guy. I mean, Lou, great job, and these other folks. You're the guy. So if you're telling me yes. this is the wrong lawyer, wrong and I lawyer. need to get Joe Murray or whoever it is, no, uh, we got a we coming gun. at 825, twenty-five. I'll ask a Yeah, yeah, finally. Poly Prep Day School boys do well, something you, for your hood. You, you may have heard that Donald Trump lost his fraud case yeah, yesterday. No, no, I understand. So, tax, he's got 19 I, cases look, for
11: Trump. I understand. But I remember I, Dallas saying, no chance, can't win, ain't going nowhere, because he was protecting who? Eric Adams. By the way... I notice you may be hooking up with Eric Adams again.
8: Yeah, that's right.
11: Why not tell him that you want to go to his new hangout called Sofrito? What is
8: this called now? Con so I mean, where is this at? What street is this? Ah,
11: uh, this is up in the Bronx. This is in the Warehouse District, off Throats Neck. It's owned by Jimmy Rodriguez. Oh, not not the one owned by the guy that you destroyed in the primary. No, he owns no, a Restaurant oh, in the Bronx, Fernando <laughs> Mateo. No, 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 no. That, that, that guy is a, a poop pot, man. He's not ready for prime time. Jimmy Rodriguez. You know Jimmy's Cafe. He's owned so many restaurants. By the way, they've all closed down. you got to scratch your head and say, you're open, you're closed. They all hang out there now, Con sofrito uh, and it's Eric Adams, it's Eddie Caban, and no doubt it's going to be you, Sid Rosenberg, oh, yes. it no, up
8: there in the Bronx. Well, I'm very close with Eddie Caban. In fact, the uh, the latest police commissioner is going to join me on this show this Friday for Spanish Heritage Day. Oh, you can tell him I'm so disappointed. Remember, no, I'm I am going tell him. No, 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 I'm not going to tell him that. And then uh, we're going to do a big Back to Blue event, which we do every year. And Eddie's coming on for that, which, and I hate to say this to you because there's nobody in this city who's a bigger friend to you than me. Nobody. You really don't have a lot of friends. I'm your true friend. Oh, they all want to kill me. Well, no, no, but I'm your true friend. But um, I was asked, to be completely honest if you should be invited to the Back to Blue event, and I said no. I said he should not be invited. Because the mayor is probably going to come and other political officials. Oh, and, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Wait a <laughs> second. They really back the blue. Eddie
11: Caban and see, Mayor Adams. You see? You, you cannot the police commissioner second. and then come go back the blue sign a consent decree that basically puts the handcuffs on the cops. You give money to Black Lives Matter and Antifa that was attacking the police. There was one man who stood up to Black Lives Matter and Antifa. That was Curtis Lee with the Guardian Angels. I got my jaw busted with a claw Hammer. And by the way, Staten Island was where they created Back to Blue. And what did Eric Adams do but turn the police on the great rebels and demonstrators outside of the Senior Citizen Center? You saw it with your own eyes <laughs> at Midland Beach. And he puts drones over us. Hey, Eddie, come on. How come you got a drone over us in Staten Island spying on American people? Well, guess what? I've been spying on you at Consofrito with Jimmy Rodriguez. Hey. Isn't he a felon? Is that is that what Eric Adams' new nickname is going to be, Eric Felons? Wherever there are felons, like the Petrosians, that's where you went the last time, Sid. And remember, Eric Adams never pays the bill. Never pays the bill to the Petrosians, that's illegal. Never pays the bill up at Conso Frito. And by the way, cops, Eddie Caban, you're not supposed to be hanging out at places with known felons. If you were a cop back on a beat, you'd have to turn in your badge and your gun. No double standard. It's not do as I say, but not as I do. Take, oh, take Sid Rosenberg up to O'Bros to Consofrito, with all the felons, and Eric Adams, and Eddie Caban, who has so disappointed me. You are un
1: informative This is Sid and Friends in the Morning 77 WABC Friends. And now Sid and Friends in the Morning presents How does Sid Rosenberg make you feel Curtis Lewa on how Sid makes him feel.
11: When I hear Sid at 710 each morning, it's like all of a sudden I'm doing a Curtis Lewa super sports spectacular with the king of sports, Sid Rosenberg. But Sid, you committed a felony larceny on yours truly, Curtis Lewa. And you make me feel at times like Drak.
1: This has been How Does Sid Rosenberg Make You Feel on Sid and Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC.
8: About my dear friend, the great comedian Jim Brewer, whenever I hear this band. In fact, one time, uh, Jimmy was at a Billy Joel concert at Madison Square Garden. And he jumped up on stage and they sang Black Sabbath together, him and Billy. Jimmy moved, you know. He was a Long Island guy a lot of his life. In fact, he had a residency, Jim Brewer, at the Paramount Theater. How ironic is that, being you just heard from Bill O'Reilly... Bill O'Reilly is coming on live in about 10 minutes or less. And me and Bill O'Reilly are doing a show together Friday night, October the 27th, at that very same Paramount Theater where Jim Brewer performed monthly for years in Huntington, Long Island. So Bill is uh, coming up. His new book came out yesterday, Killing the Witches. And, of course, the Killing series continues to kill it. we got a good run here. Bill O'Reilly Joe Beningo, who texted me at 5.57 a.m. this morning, making sure he was coming on. Peter King and Michael Savage, all about to show up today.
1: Talk Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by
2: with a little help from my friends. <laughs> On the Hudson River line, I'm in a New York state of mind.
8: You tell him, Billy, I'm in a New York state of mind every day. That's why this show is number one, and it's not close. It's not close. Sorry, Mark Simone, it's not close. Happens See to be the name of the star. night that Bill O'Reilly, the greatest ever, has put together at the Paramount Theater, October 27th, Friday night, Huntington, Long Island, Bill O'Reilly on stage. He invited me, too. It's O'Reilly and Rosenberg, and it's called The New York State of Mind. Now, Bill is on 840 every Thursday, and he'll be back tomorrow. But I uh, decided this week to bring him on twice because he is the best ever. And his Killing series, which continues to kill it, has a new one, Killing the Witches, which came out yesterday, but here on Daniel's birthday. It's a perfect time. Plus, CNN did him dirty. I want to get to all of that. But I did see a picture on my phone this weekend, believe it or not, Bill O'Reilly and the man just singing that song, Bill O'Reilly and Billy Joel. I don't know where that picture was taken, Bill, but it was that was this weekend, right? Yeah, Saturday night,
6: uh, Foxborough, up in uh, New England, and. Uh...
8: Billy did not sing New York State of Mind. I figured not. (laughs) Not in New England. Um, But guess what? But but the Patriots sang it the next day when they came to New York and beat the Jets.
6: (laughs) Something like they were
8: humming anyway. Um, But
6: I've known him since uh, I'm 14. Uh, We're the same age. He was uh, raised in Hicksville, uh, part of Levittown. I was raised in Westbury, part of Levittown, and we used to – Uh, See each other from time to time, so he's a good guy, and uh, we're backstage and uh, having a few laughs before his show, which is magnificent. I was going to ask you, I just heard uh, uh, Sliwa um, say, and and it jogged my memory, that he got his jaw broken. Um, in a, you know, controversy at BLM and all that. Can you get the name of his surgeon? Because I think that jaw has kind of really come back very, very well. So if I ever need, you know, oral surgery, I'm going to sleep with
8: uh, He's the guy. I mean, yeah, you're right. You can't get uh, Curtis talks all day, all day, every day. And congratulations to him and that attorney, Lou, and his partner, Mark, on Staten Island. On uh, on actually explaining the law, which for some reason the mayor and these folks here can't figure out, they they thought right to shelter was one thing, and it turns out it's not in the Constitution, it's not a law, right, and right. they can't house these migrants here. But but I do want to get to something uh, that you uh, told me on Friday, and I'm sure you covered it on your show earlier in the week. I missed it because I was uh, celebrating, celebrating. I was uh, actually uh, observing Yom Kippur. But uh, CNN did you dirty last week. It's not the first time. And it won't be the last time, Bill, when you become as big as you are. And I say it all the time, and I mean it the best in the business. They're going to come for you every day. And uh, CNN did something last week, which is not uh, totally surprising for them, but still despicable. You want to talk about that? Or yeah,
6: us- sure. I mean, uh, it was shocking. Um, Rupert Murdoch resigned as chairman of Fox News about a few hours later, CNN runs a montage in prime time of a bunch of people um, on Fox News saying stuff um, and the montage was to indicate to CNN viewers that Fox News is a racist outlet. So they used eight-second clip of me saying slaves were well-fed and housed, eight seconds. And then they had other people saying other things. And uh, I'm sitting there when somebody called me and and we reviewed the tape. I go, I can't believe this. They took it from a 2016 discussion on the O'Reilly factor about Michelle Obama's contention that slaves built the White House. And there was some controversy about that. Well, the controversy
8: was she didn't want to stay there. She said, the beautiful White House. She goes, I don't want to live here because slaves built it. Right.
6: And that was obviously controversial. So I did the history of it and said, she's right. Slaves did build the White House, but this is how the government treated them because they needed this labor. They were housed and fed well. So instead of <laughs> putting anything into context, and I'm actually sticking up for Michelle Obama's history there, they take the eight-second clip. So I call my attorneys. Because they're obviously using that to try to make me look like a racist and a slave booster person. And, you know, we're now talking to those people at CNN because this has got to stop. And this ties into Killing the Witches. See, I've been on this promotional uh, thing yesterday, and and it'll be another week and a half on Killing the Witches. It's really three books in one. We take you back to Salem and the Mayflower and all that chaos in the first years of America. And then we get into how the witches thing influenced Benjamin Franklin, who was a teenager in Boston. And what he did with it is really fascinating. And then we get into modern day witch hunts. And that's where this CNN stuff lands, because this thing that happened in Salem – Accusations that were totally false, made by young girls, 12, 13 year old girls, led to people being hanged, 20 individuals killed, and hundreds imprisoned, all right, because of these false accusations. Well, the media and, and other people are doing that right now. The witch hunt's unbelievable. We have, and you'll uh, identify with this, there uh, was a commentator on ESPN. And Phil Mushnick of the uh, New York Post has done some excellent reporting on this. It's
8: funny you mention Phil. I just I have a friend named Keith It's, And uh, we have we, we have these dinners every couple of weeks, him and Anthony Corona, a guy you know very well, Paul Carlucci. We have dinner together every couple of weeks. And he just asked me two days ago, how do you feel about Phil Mushnick? And I've known Bill for a long time, and he clobbered me, Bill, I mean for years. Uh, he called me, I am Mrs. Nazi, I am Mrs. sleazebag. We have since made up over the years because of a mutual friend named Arnie Wexler, who has become the face of Gamblers Anonymous. But long story short, I'm, I'm good with Bill these days, and he's going to join us for dinner, but he literally came up in conversation two days ago. So it's ironic you mentioned his name now, but I know where you're going with this. He has done a very good job on what you're about to talk about.
6: Yes, Doug Adler, ESPN tennis analyst, um analyzing the uh match with Serena Williams. He says Adler on the air, uh Serena's using guerrilla tactics like in a
12: guerrilla war,
6: hit and run. Well, he gets fired because a stringer from the New York Times says, "Oh, he's calling Serena Williams
8: a gorilla." Right, he meant gorilla G U E not G O R and by the way, getting fired is not even the worst part of the story.
6: No. He gets a heart attack. He has a heart attack. Right. And, after. and but, never gets rehired and never an apology. Ever. I, I know. And this is the witch hunt. And the, you know, the, and there are there are ten thousand stories like this. And and people are defenseless. In Salem, when you read Killing the Witches, there were people who objected to twelve year old girls signing a death warrant mm. to people who have no idea what they're talking about. Mm. But if you objected, then you were accused of being a witch. Wow. So if I and I do, and you do too, we call these people out at CNN or wherever they may be, then they come after us harder. So now I'm going to segue into another thing. Tonight at 9 o'clock p.m. up against the Republican debate, Tucker Carlson will drop a one-hour interview with me on X, twitter whatever that is.
8: Can you take a guess which one I'll be watching?
6: (laughs) So part of the conversation is about this witch hunt because both Carlson and O'Reilly – how to deal with it almost every day while we were on the air. Taking things out of context, trying to demonize person as a racist or a homophobe or, or, or a Nazi, whatever they're doing, there's no resistance to it. There's no pushback to it. And the corporations are petrified, frightened, because if they stick up for the accused, then they come after them. You see this witch hunt stuff? Of course. So it all started in Salem. Interesting. And most Americans have no idea how horrendous that was. You go to Salem, Massachusetts now, 25 miles north of Boston, it's a big sign. It says, welcome to Salem, witch city.
8: It says witch city.
6: Yeah. They're wow. making millions of dollars off the corpses of these people. But do
8: they still have the gallows there and stuff like I don't you know. You
6: can go see where the executions took place. Wow. But what they have are pedestrian malls lined with witch shops and <laughs> oh, witches and oh, warlocks. I mean, it's all in good fun.
8: How many and, people, and, I'm curious, because, uh, and people need to read this book, Killing the Witches. It, it is in good fun, but it's it's relatively tasteless. Um, what, how many people died? How many people were actually executed?
6: 20 inside? in Salem were executed. More than 300 put into jail of which some of them died. And in Connecticut, there were scores more (laughs) who were killed and then other places around the country. But Salem was the reason that we focused on Salem is every word of the witch trials was written down. So there was a scribe, And he wrote down all the testimony and all what happened back and forth. And we got that, of course. That's how we researched the Killing Books, which is the 13th one, the most successful nonfiction book series of all time. (laughs) Okay. so But when people pick this book up, we are going to take you back to the Mayflower and that horrendous voyage over here, and then tell you what happened. And then we're going to tell you how it influences your life today with the religion aspect in America. And then we go to modern times. Now what caught Carlson's eye, very interesting discussion was the demonic possession part of the book, which is at the end about what the exorcist movie was really all uh, about. It is a real case, but it was a boy, thirteen years, not a girl. And what happened on the movie set with William Freak and the director, who was a pagan you didn't believe in any any of that—is harrowing. Really, and we got we got it all. Really? So yes, it's uh, so to keep, keep. It's a good Halloween book. Oh, so this is going to keep you up at night. I can't.
8: I got to tell you, The Exorcist, uh, and I like the horror movie genre. My wife Danielle celebrating a birthday today loves it, um, and I thought The Exorcist was the best ever. I thought Linda Blair was terrific. I'm, I'm a little upset now that it really wasn't her; that it was a boy and not a girl. But she was still great. But uh, the book even goes into that, huh? Yeah, and and the boy,
6: a Maryland thirteen year old. Um what happened to him in his life after the exorcism, and there were eight Jesuit priests doing the exorcism, and it took three months. Wow. All right. What happened to him? We chronicle the whole thing and then we segue into Linda Blair and um Max Vanceo and all of the others in the movie. There were eight people
8: who died who were attached to that movie.
7: Is that right? Eight? Yeah. Oh
8: my God. I know. I would never know that. That's why you got to read these books. And, and I'm gonna, and we have to wrap this up here. But I do want to move it forward because, yes, uh, witch hunt. You no question. Tucker Carlson, no question. But when I see Joe Takapina set to join me in about thirty minutes, the um, the fraud case against Donald Trump, which goes with Tisha James Way, and and it's a bunch of nonsense. He overvalued his company. Who doesn't? And now he's really. Staring at the very real possibility of losing all those buildings, you know, 400 Wall Street, all that money. Is that not part of the witch hunt? Or you was bet. This...
6: He's the poster boy for it. Uh, yeah. What when, when I want you to ask Takapena, with respect to you, of course, and Takapena is possessed by the devil. We both know that.
8: There's no question. All right. Yeah. Yes. He, he's <laughs> part of that
6: whole I don't believe that there's any victim in this case. I believe the Trump organization paid back all the loans, and nobody filed a complaint against him.
8: That is correct. They they not only paid back all the loans, but in some cases a lot of interest. And yeah, so, uh,
6: what what is this? Why is this action even even being uh, considered in a court of law? Why? There's I, no victim. Nobody complained. Right.
8: I'll tell you why. Read "Killing the Witches," and you'll find yeah,
6: out. All right. And, and we know. Um, you know, look, this is an important book. I thank you very much for having me on an extra day. Um, they bring it to everybody's attention and um i want to say happy birthday to danielle danielle who's a good witch yes okay, in is. a good way there are good witches yes and, uh, yes like glenda chanting
8: glenda was a good witch in uh the wizard of oz you remember her she was yeah, uh... sure
6: and then in, in <laughs> wicked too
8: well, yeah, she was. <laughs> there well, you go. well congratulations on this book uh, people are going to eat it up it's i think it's going to be the most successful of all and it's amazing how you're able to take all that history and actually make it pertinent to today it's really really unbelievable but only you can do it congratulations and we'll do this again tomorrow morning thank you so much bill o'reilly
6: hey and we'll see you october 27th rosenberg you better be on your a
12: game oh a, a plus house
8: i'm ready the
12: Paramount theater
8: i will not disappoint you bill i'm still humbled to this day that you picked me to be there that night and i'm honored and I will not disappoint you or the audience. It's going to be a great night. That's my man Bill O'Reilly. He'll be back at 8.40 again tomorrow morning. That sets up a big 8 o'clock hour. Joe so Beningo, he's still mad about the Jets. Joe day. Tacopina and Peter King, three great guests, about to come your way.
2: With the rhythm and blues. Well, now I need a give and take. The New York Times. The Daily
1: News. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative.
2: Oh, you're my best friend.
1: 77 WABC.
7: Zach Wilson could process? What are we talking about? I'm not. That, that's it's the, the You know, you hit it on the head. That's the difference. A, the Niners dumped the number one draft choice after a year and a half or two years because they knew he couldn't play. Bingo. And my team continues to trot out this stiff, tiki, 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 tiki. Let me tell Brock, you right they now. Knew that you Brock hate the Jets. <laughs> you would love to see the Jets go 2-15. and 15. Stop it. I love. You're May a giant. I do not if this was the situation with the Giants... You'd be screaming to get Wilson the hell out of there. First of all, so I never don't scream. give me this nonsense. First of all, all right? I never T-
0: scream because I watch and I analyze. And okay, I, well and you and can I, analyze and I, all and you I, want, but and maybe, I try to maybe find you, look, look. All I, I know happening.
7: is this: yesterday you were in Washington with the Commanders and the Bills. Okay, were you not? I was. Okay, so don't give me this nonsense how you're <laughs> analyzing Zach Wilson. Okay, I don't want to hear it. All right, it's BS. T-
0: All right, Joe, he sounds
7: stinks. good. I'm turning my mic off, buddy. He, he stinks. stinks. No, no, but here's what I know that frustrates me related to a point you just made.
8: Oh, good song. This is Meatloaf once again. Happy birthday to Meatloaf. Unlike my beautiful wife Danielle, who's celebrating a birthday today as well. Happy birthday, Danielle. I love you. Meatloaf can't celebrate like yell today because he's dead. (laughs) Died last year. This is a great song, though. You took the words out of my mouth, the great album, Bad Out of Hell. That was Joe Benigno, another brilliant performance. Two weeks ago, he got in the New York Post because of his segment with me. This week, his segment with Evan and Tiki got him back in the New York Post. But as Joe was yelling and screaming there, I've got about ten minutes with Joe because you've got to talk to Joe Tacopino, Peter King, and Michael Savage, but... As he was yelling and screaming there, and Lewin, Justin, you can attest to this, all I kept thinking about was, man, Joe Beningo owes me a big apology. I'm serious. He was yelling and screaming. I told him Dallas would stick it up his ass. I told him Zach Wilson couldn't win a game in high school. He was yelling, shut up. Oh, the Jets of defense is great. Blah, 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 blah. And I was right. I don't work it up ahead anymore. I'm not a sports talk guy, but I know my stuff. This kid, Zach Wilson, has not been an NFL quarterback from the day he arrived in New York. He's a joke. It's a joke. And now you got people like Joe Namath saying, fire the coach. Get rid of Robert Sala. Don't worry. Trevor Simeon or Colin Kaepernick is on the way. Anyway, here he is, WFAN legend. In my estimation, the most spirited, most exciting sports talk show host ever, the great Joe Beningo. Joe, where's my apology?
13: Well, first of all, let me start with this. Okay, number one, uh, happy birthday to Danielle. Thank
8: you, thank you, buddy. She loves but you. Funny. You know, you know, birthday. she loves you. She let loves you. Just
13: point, let me just point this out too. It was my birthday yesterday, and I turned seventy yesterday. So I just want to. Oh let you know my that.
8: God! Is that happy <laughs> birthday? Is that true?
13: That is true, bro. Yep.
8: Oh my God! And happy birthday! Gave me
13: another, the Jets gave me another wonderful birthday present. With their, with their straight loss to the damn
0: Patriots.
2: <laughs>
0: their futility you know I mean? is catching up the with you, Joe.
13: <laughs> and the Patriots stink. Oh, and they God. tried to hand the game to the Jets, and they still couldn't win. So
8: They really do stink. I mean, Mike Jones, I think, has been yeah. a colossal disappointment. And Belichick, uh, it's over. He, he, he still might be the greatest of all time. That's arguable, but it's over. But, again, this kid, this Zach Wilson, Joe, he can't win. He can't well, play. Well, well uh, let's stop
13: for a second. Let me apologize. You're right. Dallas kicked our ass. And then Dallas goes into Arizona and gets their ass kicked by Josh Dobbs. Right. Which is just, which is just mind-boggling. So you were right, Sid. As usual, you were right. What do you want me to tell you? Um, look, I mean, I, I, you know, here's, here's what gets me the most, bro. All right? We all know this kid can't play. All right, we get that. All right. And and I think part of it is I don't know if he's completely coached correctly. I don't know. Maybe maybe if Rodgers comes back to the sideline or whatever maybe he can help him. I don't know. Well,
8: you know so, that they're talking about the coaching that Nathaniel Hackett stinks also and has always stunk.
13: Well, here's what I will say to that. Can we can we use this kid right? Okay, if he's going to be the quarterback First of all, how about we take? He's got a big time arm. The best throw he made Sunday was the the hail mary in the end zone that Randall Cobb probably should have caught. Okay, and I tell you right now, Rodgers threw that ball; Cobb would have caught it. You know that. But with that said, uh, he's got a big arm. Can we throw the ball deep down the field? The kid's got the kid could run a little bit. Could we roll him out? Can we have some you know RPOs with this kid? Can we have some designed runs for him? You know what I mean, Sid. You know what I mean, Sid. I mean, that yeah. makes me nuts with that. He's not a pocket. He's never going to sit in the pocket and beat you, this guy.
8: No, you make sense. I mean, if you're resigned to play him, then you have to play to his strengths. That makes a yes. ton of sense, Joe. Of but the truth is, even if you do that, his quote-unquote strengths are not good enough to win an NFL okay, game. Okay, but
13: you know what, bro? You can't. You can't have him play scared. And you can't have you can't be coaching scared. You gotta let it go. Look, you're playing Kansas City, you're playing nobody everybody in the world is expecting Kansas City to beat the crap out of the Jets on Sunday night, okay? So you're going into this game, it's almost like house money because everybody's expecting you to lose. Go in there and wing it. Go in there and take some shots. You got Garrett Wilson down the field. You got this kid, the kick returner Gibson. He's got speed. Let him go deep. Let me see some of that. There's none of that. There's none of
8: that. Bro. No, you're right, and, and it also wouldn't kill the Jets to throw the ball on first down every now and then. But of
13: course, like Tony Romo was screaming during the game on Sunday. I mean, I I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and I gotta see, and I and I don't want to see that. You know, Dalvin Cook stinks. Looks like Dalvin Cook doesn't want to play anymore. Can I see Brees Hall? Can I see more of Michael Carter? I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, ugh.
8: So, are you resigned now to Zach? I know there was some talk about Trevor Simeon. He stinks. uh, I know he does. But, by the way, he stinks. He's still better than Zach. Uh, I'm telling you, he's better.
13: It's it's not that much better. Well, it's
8: better. Uh, I'll take better. And then uh, Colin Kaepernick uh, has asked the Jets, and they obliged, I guess, he wants to join the practice squad. This guy, forgetting about the fact that he's a cancer, and New Yorkers like me hate his guts. I hate his guts for what he's done to this league and to sports in general. He hasn't thrown a football in a game in about seven years. Look, I'm not...
13: I, I I don't want Colin Kaepernick. I mean, I really don't. I do think he's been blackballed out of the league. I, I do. I mean, I would have to... You know, I do think there's something to that. But, uh, you know, if you told me five years ago, maybe, not now.
8: No, no, no. No, not so now. there's nobody out there. You're not getting Matt Ryan. He the said one no. one keep... I
13: would take, I will say this, and I don't love this guy, okay, by any stretch of the imagination, but... You know, you got a guy like Carson Wentz. He's only 29 years old. You know, he wants to get back in the league. He's got a chip on his shoulder, a guy like that. He's got something to prove he's better than Zach. Not that he's good, but he's better than Zach. I mean, a guy like that, take a
8: flyer on a guy like that, Sid. Well, Justin Ellick, who was my executive producer, who's a diehard Eagles fan, just told me in my ear, to Joe Beningo's point, that Carson Wentz has even expressed interest to coming here and playing for the Jets. So what's the problem?
13: I don't get it. I, I really think the bottom line is this, okay? I think it all comes down to Joe Douglas. I think it's all about Douglas, okay? If you take the coach out of it for a minute, I think the coach has nothing to do with who, you know, with the personnel situation. I really do, and I think this is Joe Douglas trying to justify the last chance to justify that this second pick in the draft. You know that, uh, that this kid can play. That, that that's what I think. So you're
8: right. No, you're right. They they are clearly sticking with this guy because they made a major investment. But yes, uh, much in life you will come to find in a lot of different areas in life, sometimes it's just better to cut your losses before it really burns you. I mean, you made well, the point I, about you, know, you played you Trey played Lance. that little, yeah.
13: you played that right, Trey Lance. That's right. But the Niners, this is why the Niners are a team that's a perennial contender and maybe the best team in the league. Okay, I mean, because this is what they do and and how much and by the way, the backup quarterback to Brock Purdy is is Sam Donald. How much do I wish Sam Donald was here now? I mean, he's much better. Not that he's good, but he's much better than Zach.
8: No, he's not. He's better. Sam Donald is not much better than anyone, but
13: he's better. But, but he's, he's better. better,
8: yes. I mean, so maybe, so maybe you are. It's seventy years old. I don't know. No, I'm
13: not. no, 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 no. I don't know, and Joe. Maybe you see. I mean, <laughs> you, you still have that youthful glow. I you still right, so sure.
8: That's called the tanning salon. Uh, right, I, 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 I want to move off the Jets. We know what they are. They are. They do have Kansas City on Sunday, which is doubly annoying because they are ten point dogs, probably going to lose, and not only that, but then you get round two of Travis Kelsey and uh, Taylor Swift yeah, and man yeah. i've had enough of that oh, huh can i ask you a question how long do you
13: think that's you give that 6 months or no
8: no way not even 6 months no okay. way oh they like they, they as uh, what's the guy's name justin from um from uh, you know that website he bought it he sold it he bought it back uh, Barstool. Dave Portnoy oh, yeah, yeah, said yeah, 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 yeah. he's never seen a couple Portnoy. with less chemistry. He's never seen a couple with less chemistry. Right, I, right. I want to get to the Yankees. I had uh, our mutual friend, Christopher Mad Dog Russo, on the show yesterday. The great one. He was great. He was great here yesterday. And uh, I asked him flat out Boone, Cashman. He said Cashman's got to go. Listen, 25 years, 14 years now without a World Series appearance. Appearance, we about winning a World Series. And you can't fire the GM and keep the coach. We learned that with Phillips and Valentine a long time ago. So according to Dog, the Yankees should clean house. What about Joe Boningo?
13: No question. No question. Look, Brian Cashman's been a, a top-tier GM for a long time. But like, like uh, Russo said, he's been there too long. I mean, they, they need a new voice there. They really do. I mean, let's be honest about it. Nobody stays in the same place for 30 years, or however long he's been there, you know. And I think it's time for him to move on now. I really do. I I, I'm, I I couldn't agree more with Chris I couldn't agree more
8: and I was born in 1967 if God is good to me I'll be 57 in April you turned 70 yesterday so you got yes. you got 13 years on me so when Brooks Robinson dies yesterday at the age of 86 I can yes. tell you him and Frank won a World Series in 66 they won a World Series in 70 he's one of three uh, right. players including Cotton Maddox to win 16 straight goal goals I can tell you all that but I was two years old when the Mets beat his Baltimore Orioles in the World Series you were closer to 15 tell me about Brooks Robinson?
13: Uh, greatest defensive third baseman of all time. Really? I, mean, I would say that. Yeah, I would say that. I mean, look, no question. You know, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, Cleve Boyer, who played with the Yankees in the 60s, was a great third baseman. Greg yeah. Nettles was tremendous defensively. So was Mike you know,
8: Schmidt and Ron Say. Mike, they were good, too. Mike
13: Schmidt, Scott Rowland, I guess, yeah. but I, nobody yeah. was Brooks. And, and, you know, you watch his 1970 World Series against Cincinnati when he won the MVP and. You know, basically stole the series. I mean, he made one tremendous defensive play after another. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's he's to me he is the prototypical defensive third baseman. That's that's exactly what he is.
8: Last question: Winter sports? That's what we're up to. The Giants stink. They stink. The Jets may be worse. Well, I would Can I say this about the Giants? Yeah. I think the Giants season starts Monday night. Oh, they're done. Stop it. They're done. I'm going to tell you again, like I told you with the Jets. All right. They're done.
13: When you say done, so you're looking at the Giants as a five win team? Is that what you're looking
8: at? Uh, maybe six, but Geno Smith and Seattle will come here and win. The Giants don't have any weapons. Who was scaring you out there? This kid, Jalen Hyatt? I mean, yeah. a, a, a Darren Barkley Waller? Playing? Is Barkley playing Monday? We don't know, right? Who knows? Doesn't matter. He's not healthy. They have nobody to scare an opposing yeah. defense. Nobody. So yeah. I'm assuming that the football season is over for both locals, but I'm excited about the Garden tenants. The question right. to Joe Beningo There's still is simple: games to play. Let's not let's not end the season yet. But go ahead, um, the season's over. I'm sorry. Uh, right. Who
13: will well, go football further? The, the football is better than anything. So, but let me just no. Put it uh, down. Man, and,
8: and listen, but the the beauty with football is: see, I can't watch the Nuggets play the Lakers. Right, right. I
13: you could exactly right. Right, I, you, I know exactly. You're 100. I could watch anybody play in correct, the NFL. Correct, correct. And even the college. we've had some great college games. On uh, you know,
8: you it. know, I'm a big college football guy. I yeah. love it. i mean, that Notre Dame Ohio State game was amazing. Yep, and yeah, and my Miami Hurricanes same. are undefeated. So I love, yep. I love college football too. But who will go further in their respective seasons, the Rangers or the Knicks?
13: Boy, that's a good question. That's a tough call, bro. I mean, I think they're clearly both playoff teams. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Who will go further? I mean, I like what the Knicks did in the off-season. I like bringing in the kid, the, the the third of the Villanova group that we have now, DiVincenzo. I like that. Um, you know, I mean, obviously I like what they did last year. Brunson had a big year. We'll see what they get from Randall this year. Uh, you never know with the Rangers. I mean, the Rangers are the kind of team that, like we saw last year, that got you know couldn't get eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. Or could make a run to the Stanley Cup finals. I mean, that's where they are. I don't think the Knicks are in that situation. I think the Knicks are a playoff team. I think they can win a, a, a playoff series like they did last year, maybe get a little farther than that. But I think the Rangers have more potential uh, as far as a potential champion, uh, certainly, than the Knicks do. Uh,
8: I agree with you, although I don't know what the Rangers did this offseason to improve a team that got right. wiped out in the first round by the New you know, Jersey well, Devils. I mean,
13: they, uh, well, the, the Rangers go through coaches more than the Jets
8: do. It's <laughs> you're right. All right, well, listen, uh, you're brilliant. You're great. Thank you for doing this. And I spoke to Chris Olivero. It's okay. As long as you put Tiki and Evan in the post before you put me in the post.
2: <laughs>
8: <laughs> <laughs> but listen to me, and I mean this on the way out. Curtis Lee will brought you up unprovoked this morning. Really? Yes, I announced a guest list, and I mentioned you. And he said, I swear, he goes, we need to get Joe Boningo here. Evan and Tiki enough. You know, you talk about Brian Cashman. You and the fan, it's enough. Twenty years, thirty years. You love Trump. You love politics. You belong here. So once again, just so you know, there's more than one host at this station that is lobbying to get Joe Boningo to WABC. If there's an offer, will you take it?
13: Uh I'm bro. You know me. I'm always uh, I'm always open to listen to anything. We'll leave it, we'll leave okay. it at that. All all right. Right. I'm open to anything, and and uh, I certainly would listen to anybody. But let me just say this: I want to thank Curtis Lewa, uh for uh, the kind words. Thank you, Curtis. He's
8: a big fan of yours. We all are here. We all love you, Lou fino, Everybody, thank you for another great appearance. We'll do it again soon. Happy birthday, pal! By the
13: way, I'm. Uh, I, I just want to throw this in there: October thirteenth, my next live podcast at the Hackensack Brewing Company. Fireman Ed will be there. And Why, well, I, you, I, but you hate fireman, Ed. Well, we we bonded. We played golf in Ohio when we went out to uh, the, uh, yeah, the induction. Yeah.
8: <laughs> golf, golf is golf is the ruination of everything good.
2: <laughs> well, no, 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 you just
13: don't play. If you thought, let me tell you, you're an athlete. I know. Yeah. Believe me, uh, I, you know. Terrible. You're a yeah. big basketball player. True. That's the only game left. when you hit a certain age, there's yeah. only one game left, and that's golf. You know what
8: I mean? <laughs> I thought it was masturbation.
13: Anyway. Uh... Uh, well, no. <laughs> Uh, uh, could pick. we By come? Way, when you're next, are you doing it next? you going to do another podcast with us? Or? Well,
8: well, me and Lou want to come on the 13th and beat the hell out of Fireman Ed in front of the whole audience. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Steal the helmet.
8: Right. <laughs> no, we want to come, so invite me again, will you, please? Yeah, we'll talk. I'll all right, right I love you. Up, yeah. All right, there he is, a legend, Joe Benningo. We got up, to take care, buddy. You are great. <laughs> got to take a short break. I want to check in with Joe Tacopita, Donald Trump losing that fraud case. We'll talk to the best defense attorney in the
2: world.
8: In the world, folks, Joe Takapita's next.
2: Oh, yeah,
1: sit in friends in the morning
3: How many have
2: 77 W.A.B.C. I'm trucking Got my chips cashed in Keep trucking Like the two go man Together Oh, in line. Just keep
8: on Grateful Dead classic and I love this song. Love this song, baby. My mother, Naomi, lives one mile away. One mile from Yasgo Farm, where of course uh, they held the original site of Woodstock and the Grateful Dead, Jimi Hendrix, Janice Joplin all performed there. That, that field, I told you this many times, is now Bethel Woods. And they've got this gorgeous amphitheater. And my mother and father have had tickets for years to the summer shows. I've seen everybody from Elton John out there that, on that field where Woodstock took place in 1969 to the Goo Goo Dolls to Train to the Counting Crows. They've got a great uh, theater there. They've got a great museum. That, of course, trucking by Grateful Dead. But a great show already. Going back to Lou Gellarmino, he's the attorney on Staten Island who actually won the case He won the case. Clearly, New York City and the mayor are confused about right to shelter. And at least as of now, with appeals going on, the migrants, or as I call them, the illegals, have to leave. So Lou was on earlier, Curtis Saliwa, Bill O'Reilly, Joe Meningo, and now my dear friend of 46 years, the best defense attorney, not in the country, in the world. And uh, he got some news yesterday that his client, Donald Trump, that fraud case goes the state's way, Letitia James' way, not Donald Trump, and uh, this could get kind of ugly for my friend the president. Here's Joe Takapina. Joseph, good morning. How are you?
6: Good morning, Sidney. I mean, listen, no surprise here, right? I mean, there's no surprise. I mean, the, the jury in this case was the judge, okay? And this judge, Engron, has made it clear he despises Donald Trump. and I, this is not just, you know, banter, and this is not just, you know, spinning. He actually said, I think he's a bad man, okay? This is on the record in court last year. So think about that for one second. Just let that soak around your brain for a little bit. If you were picking a jury in a case, and I was picking a jury and you and my clients did, and one of the potential jurors said, I think this is a bad man. (laughs) Thank you very much. You're excused from this jury. Go to the next panel. You don't don't say, great, perfect, you're on this jury. That's what happened here because this judge is the jury. This case is is not in the commercial part where it should be. This is a true commercial case. But for some reason, it was kept in the IAS part, the, the non commercial part, where this judge is the judge, jury, and literally the executioner. Um, so there's no jury trial here. So he already ruled, which what, what, what we knew what the end game was going to be. He was going to find fraud, but he did it without even asking the AG to prove the case in mm-hmm. trial. And it's a, it's a, when, if you really look, this is how I came into the Trump orbit. On this case, when they asked me to evaluate this, I then pivoted off this. But here's what you See, need.
8: See, I was wrong. I actually it, thought that he initially called you when you called me at 5 o'clock that morning for the E. Jean Carroll case. But no, you told no, no. it was this, well, huh? No. It was this. It was this. Yeah.
6: It was this. And we went down, and I really dug into this thing and, and understood everything. And, and here's the thing. This case is all about valuations of properties. Sid, I swear to you, I say this again, not as a, a lawyer representing President Trump or anything like that. This is just another example Uh, If this were John Doe, there is no way this case would be brought. There is no aggrieved victim, okay? The victim never made a complaint. Well,
8: I'm glad glad you said that because Bill O'Reilly was on earlier at 740. He's on twice this week. His new book just came out. And he said, listen, when you have Tacopina on, can you ask him who's the victim here? And there is none. In fact, not only did Donald Trump pay back all those loans, but in some cases, you could attest to this, he paid an awful lot of interest. Everybody seemed happy. (laughs)
6: Deutsche Bank, the counterparty here, made $200 million in profits from these loans, okay? So understand that. There Now Donald Trump is, is being found liable for fraud when his counterparty could not have been happier. And by the way, the counterparty has testified to that, has said that, has said, we're not agreed. They're okay. You know, what this ruling did would ignore the viewpoints of the parties involved. There are so many different things. you I'm just going to give you two facts that will really blow this away. On Donald Trump and the Trump Organization's valuations of these properties, the first page of every valuation has a disclaimer. Saying these are not ordered financials; these are all valuations of the properties. Do your own due diligence. Right there, that should close the word fraud and put it in a box and take it out of this case. And
8: it doesn't matter okay. what the number is because, according to what you read, I'm not a lawyer. Let's say his stuff is for two billion, and he says six. So what? That's that personal evaluation you're talking about. That's his. Well, And by the way, it wasn't that way. But if that were the case,
6: that he is saying, "Hey, hey, Deloitte and Touche. Hey, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Deutsche Bank." Go do your own valuation. These are my numbers. And, of course, they did their own valuation. They hired Cushman Wakefield, one of the biggest real estate assessors in the world. And, And they did their own due diligence. And they found that the valuations that Trump were providing were accurate. So tell me where and how. The heck we get to the point where he's being accused of committing fraud when the counterparty profited, I listened to it, in, in preparation for for entering this case. I spoke to mortgage lenders, some of the biggest in the world, and what they said to me was they would have lent donald trump don 't forget this is the pre Donald Trump president. you know some people love him, some people hate him. This was the real estate Mogul Donald Trump, right. This is someone who real estate lenders, mortgage lenders would have lent him money for free just to say they're the mortgage lender sure. for the Trump organization or Donald Trump. Right. That's what mortgage people have told me. Okay? Yet this that wasn't the case here. This bank made a lot of money. And here's one example, said here's one the, the Trump organization doesn't flip properties, okay? That's that I've come to learn. Out of the twenty five properties at issue in this case, only one, only one of them were transacted, only one of them sold. And it's sold. That's the Doral property. It's sold for $100 million more than the Trump family. So think about that. He's aye, committing a fraud on something where someone actually paid $100 million more.
8: This is nuts. Than it on
6: paper.
7: This and is nuts. Out.
8: Now, when, I, when, 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 you know, and, and to make matters worse, of course, it's not just uh, President Donald Trump here, who we both love. But it's uh, Eric, who's a good friend of mine, especially his wife, Laura. It's Donald Jr. I mean, the whole family gets hit over the head with this. And, and you and I had a I private like conversation work, yeah. last night. Which I'm going to share now, which is a lot of his properties. You know, for example, I used to live at, uh, 11 Hanover Square, uh, down by Wall Street, you know, South Street Seaport. And yeah. my, my pharmacy for Gabriel was Dwayne Reed. That's in the 400 building, Trump 400 building, right there by the New York Stock Exchange. That's one of his buildings, his, his Trump Tower on Fifth Avenue. If in fact Trump isn't, doesn't win this or on a, whatever you guys do, appeal, I don't know. Appeal, 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 right. Mm-hmm. Then, then there's a possibility he can lose these buildings or, or the right to practice real estate in New York. How bad can this get?
6: Oh yeah, well, that that's exactly how bad it gets. He could potentially have to sell off all his assets in order to pay the 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 fines here. Um, he'd have to he'd not be able to transact business in New York ever. Okay, this is a ruling right now, as a matter of fact. Um he's been those licenses have been revoked until that there's any further proceedings here. So the certificate revocation would remain in place until the appeals court makes you know a ruling which will take months and months and months. So as of today, he can't transact business in New York. Oh my God. Um you know, these are bad look, this is, we're talking about Trump Tower, we're talking about Wall Street as you said, we're talking about a lot of different things. Now look, this is New York. It doesn't mean he can't relocate his headquarters to Florida or Jersey or anywhere else. I mean it's just one state. But it's a state where his headquarters are, where his basically his some of his biggest properties are. Trump Tower, of course, and, and, and whatnot. So it's a ruling that if if it stands, if it is upheld, he they have to liquidate the the LLC, the Trump organization, which holds the enormous bulk of the assets of that organization. So it's not, look, it's not, it's not, this is not something to be taken lightly. Um, I I really believe in my heart of hearts, it's an improper ruling. I believe there's a pellet process, but you know, when you're Donald Trump, you do get a different um, Mm. sort of deal Mm. when it comes to New York courts. You just do.
8: And And not just the property and the license revocation, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. There was a huge, huge money penalty as well. Yes.
6: A quarter of a billion dollars um, is what the penalties that that the attorney general is requesting. um, And that's a heavy lift for anyone, whether you're a billionaire or not a billionaire or almost a billionaire, $250 million. So, so, you you know, let's end it on this. Let's just point one thing out. If he had tried to claim that these properties, Mar-a-Lago, for example, they're saying it's worth three million. Okay, boys, that was worth three million. I mean, you and I will pull that money together We'll buy it for three million. million <laughs> uh, think it's a sprawling estate, right? It's on the water, yep. um, water on both sides. I mean, please. But but if he claimed, according to this, if he claimed that property is worth eighteen million, which in one instance they're saying that's he, that's what he claimed. He's overvalued that property. You know, he would probably be charged with trying to underpay his real estate taxes or something, right? I mean, think about it. I mean, instead of saying, you know, it's, it's worth $18 million, you know, if, if he tried to claim that, they would say, oh, he's, he's trying to underpay real estate taxes. Or, you know, it, it, it's unbelievable that no matter what he does here, he's going to be wrong. And it's not right because, once again, there is no – there is no dispute here between parties. The attorney general is not supposed to be, you know, someone who takes a personal agenda and, and goes and applies it with the power of her, her office. I mean, again, no one complained to the attorney. I've never seen an attorney general bring up a case where both parties are, a private transaction, by the way. Okay, if this is a real public transaction, that's one thing. This is a private transaction between two private corporations. Both of who walked away as happy as ever. No one lost a penny. Every loan was serviced, every loan was paid. The, the bank made a ton of money on these loans, and all of a sudden he 's I made mean, fraud and he can 't practice in new york anymore and the organization 's going to be liquidated and i mean the, even to the to the detractors of Donald Trump, you know that this is this isn 't right it 's just not right
8: wow this is uh, this really is not right i 'm glad you uh, stopped by this morning because i don 't believe even the biggest trump supporters know the scope of this and again. You know, he's not going to jail for five years like uh, could be the case in the Fulton County case. But this is a massive, massive, could be, could be potentially a massive potential uh, financial hit for the president. And as you just pointed out very eloquently, it's just not right. Uh, we'll do it again on Friday, Joe. You're so good. You got to come back okay, twice. Sure. But I love you for doing this this morning. This was a very, very important conversation. You were great. Thank you so much. I love you. Okay, see you later, bro. You're the best.
1: Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
8: I love this band, Jefferson Starship. We've been celebrating Meatloaf's birthday today, and my wife, my beautiful wife, Danielle, celebrating a birthday, and Joe Beningo had a birthday yesterday, but it turns out that one of the singers in this great band, Jefferson Starship, is this a birthday today, or a uh, heavenly birthday? He died today. He died today? know who's that? Uh, Marty Ballin. Marty Ballin?
0: Yeah. He was in the Jefferson Airplane,
8: too. Oh, okay. You know, they changed... Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. Uh, I got a text here from a man. <laughs>
0: I'm not going to say what you want. I want you to
8: say about Grace Slick. Will you say it?
0: Uh, she was... She banged uh, the whole band except for him. Except for him, for him that's
8: right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> that sucks, man.
0: <laughs> hey, I'm writing songs here.
8: So Joseph Iovine, my uh, best friend ever, my next-door neighbor. I mean, literally my best friend ever. You- you've heard this story about his sister, Daniela, was killed in a car crash. I hate bringing that up, but she was, and... Her husband and their 16-year-old son. You remember that, Justin, a couple of years ago. Joseph and uh, Lizzie and uh, Nicole and his mother, Gloria. His father, Louis just passed away, Louis. Says, uh, hope all is good. Uh, he says, I've got a fan. She She's going to be 94 years old on Friday. Joseph says, she loves you, and I was hoping you would give her a shout-out on her birthday. Well, I'll do it then, too. Yes. Her name is Angela Loresh. She lived most of her life in Brooklyn. She's my friend Gus and Andrea's aunt. I know Gus and Andrea very well. She listens to you every day religiously and tells everyone about you. Definitely your oldest fan. She'll be really excited and you'll make her 94th birthday special. Thanks, buddy, miss, and love you, Joseph. So I will do it on Friday, but just in case Angela LaRoche is listening right now. Thanks to um, my brother, and I mean this, my brother, Joseph Iovine, Angela, a very early happy birthday. We'll do it again on Friday. My next guest is uh, the great congressman. I always say it, my lifetime, two guys, the best in the business, Rudy Giuliani and Peter King, and not necessarily in that order. Here he is, Mr. Long Island, Homeland Security, the great Peter King. Pete, good morning, buddy. How are you?
12: Uh, sitting, doing great. Before we go any further, one you. Know, I got a text from a uh, great man, Joe Esposito. He's listening this morning. He says he's doing much better, getting uh, near the end of his chemotherapy. Again, great guy, great cop, great New Yorker.
8: No, he is great. And uh, in my neighborhood, especially La Sorrentina, John and Joe's Italian restaurant, he's a legend. And he texted me a couple of days ago when Norman Seabrook was on. So uh, I'm glad you brought him up because I owe Joe a shout-out. And he did wish me a happy Yom Kippur. So uh, Joe Esposito, I echo what Peter King just said. I love you very much. Uh, Pete, let's get uh, to Rex Ureman. He's going to be in court today. This is unbelievable. I think I heard Noam say this. So he's going to be in court today. Turns out that he may have to give those 200 guns back to Nassau County. But I think I heard Noam say the wife wants the guns. What the hell does she need those guns for?
12: Yeah, you know, she's lucky, uh, first of all. I mean, no one's really uh, criticized her. No one's been picking the house or anything like that. Uh, so she should just I think, lie low. You know, what she's saying is, I think that some of these are historical uh, guns he bought. they were oh. worth money. They were bought a souvenir. Yeah, who knows? But it's just it's the wrong signal to be sending. I mean, if your husband is accused of being a mass murderer, just lie low for a while and see what's happening I- but again. You know, of all the problems, that's probably the least one affecting their family.
8: Yes. Totally agree. Uh, Noam, um, is that the story basically that she, she wants to keep the guns? Cause Peter just said that some of those are like historic and old fashioned. I don't know that. I mean, that, that's what, that's what she's right, saying. Right, no, I'm asking you. no, no idea uh, Yeah,
4: Noam, yet. do you know the answer to that? Yeah, th- I think she's desperate for cash. So she thinks there's money there and that's why she wants them back so she can sell them.
8: She has no money. Yeah, but that is true. I did speak to her attorney on this show and she's completely broke completely broke, but there's got to be a better way, better way to, uh, to to get the cash and keep the guns and sell them. Uh, anyway, let's uh, let's get to uh, the yeah. fraud with Donald Trump. I know you just heard uh, Joe Tacopina yeah. on the show. Uh, I had Bill O'Reilly on earlier. His new book is out. It's called Killing the Witches. He talks about witch hunts. He's going to be on with Tucker Carlson later on tonight, two guys that... Uh, clearly, clearly, Fox News had an issue with, and a lot of folks call those witch hunts. What are your thoughts on the latest news about Donald Trump and his company here in New York?
12: Well, first of all, Joe Sacapina is brilliant. What a great lawyer. What a great guy. And between the two of you, he must have been a lot smarter than you in school. I don't want to go any further than we were, that. But, we, were,
8: uh, we were both morons. <laughs> both.
12: <laughs> now, no, no, Joe's great. Listen, I mean, he made all these great points. He really sum it up in one line. This is a fraud case where both sides made a profit. I mean, this is unheard of to me that you would be uh, accusing someone of uh, defrauding someone else when both sides made money. Uh, I mean, uh, there's, everything was done the right way. Uh, Trump, and again, if you inflated the assets, you put up front. These are, are personal evaluations. Check them out yourself. The banks check them out. All the loans were paid. All the interest was paid. This is really a mob rule. I mean, it's really, it's the gang up. Like I said, I think Trump has made mistakes, whatever. The fact is, all of these indictments are, are phonies. And this one is just piling on a guy. And it's uh, it's too bad if the American people don't really say, hey, enough, enough. Yeah. Let's, let's stop this. I mean, this is you're trying to ruin a guy and his family. Who's done so much for New York. And it's based on nothing. I mean, where is Forget the crime. Who lost a nickel on this? Nobody. Everybody made money. So it's uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad Joe is out there making these arguments. I think, as you were saying, with everything else going on with Donald Trump, probably the average American and the average Trump supporter doesn't realize how unfair, how particularly yep. unfair yep. this case is.
8: Well, they can voice their opinion. Just go vote for them. That's the bottom line, right? You know, you can't necessarily have a rally like me and Curtis every week or yell and scream, but, uh, they do their talking when they go vote for, uh, for Donald Trump. That would be, that would be my point. All right. Let's get to uh, Kevin McCarthy. A brutal week here. A brutal week. I mean, you know, he's got the, the possible impeachment inquiry out there. And now, of course, he has this complete mess. And it is a mess with Matt Gates and the rest of these guys on the, pro- the potential, maybe even the probable government shutdown. What do you think about Matt Gates? Uh, a lot of folks think he's a real big troublemaker. What are your thoughts on Matt Gates?
12: Yeah, I would say mine is the same as what Mike Lawless was saying about him yesterday on your show. I, I really barely knew him down there, but no one took him that seriously. Uh, what he's done is he's gotten a small group. And he's taking an advantage of a situation where Kevin McCarthy can't afford to lose more than two, three, maybe four votes at the most. And basically, uh, Matt Gaetz is a uh, hostage taker. And uh, what he's doing is he's giving the issues to the Democrats. Right now, all, uh, all the political issues should be going the Republicans' way. What's the country talking about? A government shutdown. Because of people like Matt Gaetz, we should be talking about the border. We should be talking about the spending that is out of control. But address it in a serious way. not. Uh, again, threaten to shut down the government. And I think what's happening here is, I think Mike Lawless said this yesterday, and I've spoken to Anthony D'Esposito and the others, but Matt Gates is trying to set up Kevin McCarthy for failure. If the government shuts down, it's because Kevin McCarthy couldn't get the job done. If Kevin McCarthy does work out a bipartisan agreement, then then they're going to say, that he caved into the Democrats. So in either case, he should uh, be removed to speaker. that's what they're trying to set up. I think Kevin is doing the best job he can better job than anybody else could be doing that. I can think of down there when you have a four or five seat majority, any small group can hold you hostage. Now to give Nancy Pelosi credit, she had her own group of four or five, the, uh you know, the squad and that crowd and others affiliated with them. So she only had a four or five seat majority, but she kept them in, in line. And, uh, Kevin maybe is too much of a nice guy, if anything. Or, believe it or not, maybe AOC had a better sense of loyalty than Matt Gaetz does. Now, I don't see what Matt Gaetz brings to the table at all, and uh, yet he has a following on social media. He's threatening to run against New York Republicans in primaries to support primary candidates against against, uh, Congressmen from New York if they don't support him on this. So, no, Uh, to me, he's bad news. He's trouble. And uh, he— should probably be on Joe Biden's payroll. He's doing right doing more right now to keep the uh, Democrats out front, make them look like they're yeah, the good guys here, and somehow the Republicans are the ones that are screwing up when it's only four or five people led by Matt Gates who are really screwing things up.
8: Well said. Congressman Peter King Takapina heard you and said thank you. He's He's actually humbled uh, hearing you say those nice things about him. So there you go, Peter King from Joe Tacopina. Uh, I do want to get now to Biden and Trump, both going to Detroit. Now, we heard for weeks that Donald Trump would not participate in tonight's debate, which is smart. He's up a 1,000 points. He doesn't need to sit there and take uh, jabs from Fat Chris Christie or Ron DeSantis. And he cares more about America. We saw this months and months ago. I believe when he started the surge, when he made the trip, he was the first to do it to East Palestine, Ohio. He was there before Pete Buttigieg or Joe Biden or anybody, and he announced he was going to Detroit, and lo and behold, guess who was in Detroit yesterday? Joe Biden. I didn't hear that a week or two ago, so I got to believe that Joe Biden heard Donald Trump is going and said, uh-oh, I need to go. Am I right about
2: that?
12: I'm sure you're right. And he almost stumbled on the way. I mean, that was, that's the other thing. Everything <laughs> Joe Biden does, somehow it, it, uh, it, uh, he manages to follow it up. But no, and this, by the way. Donald Trump is onto something. I think one mistake Republicans have made over the years, somehow we come across as being anti-union, anti-labor. Some of the most patriotic people in this country belong, for instance, the construction unions, the, the teams, the boilermakers, the uh, operating engineers, you go through all of them. These are the real the people who make America what it is, the uh, police unions, the firefighter unions, and yet, we have Republicans somehow just lined up against labor. Hey, sometimes, you know, the labor leaders, you know, agree with them. Sometimes the labor may go too far, but so does business. And uh, I think what uh, Donald Trump did, he was the first, when he became president, he was the first president in years that had all the members of the construction unions into the White House. I remember being at dinner with some of those guys. That, and all the years of Barack Obama, he hardly ever dealt with them at all. Donald Trump knew how to reach out to the blue-collar Americans. Uh, uh, we used to call them the, the Reagan Democrats. Ronald Reagan yeah. also had a good following yeah. among yeah. hard-hat unions. We should be trying to bring those people in. So I think by him going out out to Detroit, and also one of the big the big grievances these workers have is the electric cars are going to be putting him out of business. And Biden is the one pushing the electric cars. So, you know, Biden can stand there with the megaphone and talk to the uh, strikers. The fact is, Donald Trump's policies were much more helpful to these workers than Biden's will ever be. And again, going back to the oil pipeline, the price of gasoline, what it's done to the truckers, what it's done to uh, middle-income families, the electric cars, what it's doing to uh, uh, auto workers. No, Donald Trump is a case to make. So I, I think he's smart going out there.
8: One more story I want to cover. I had Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman on a couple of days ago, Peter, because this is uh, true to all of you, to your hearts, and that is that bus crash that uh, took place uh, in New York. But that bus, of course, uh, had Farmingdale High School students. It was one of six buses. Thank God uh, none of the students were killed, but uh, two ladies were killed, one of them, the beloved and revered band leader. I think she was laid to rest yesterday. I want to say that. Uh, anyway, I thought Bruce Blakeman did a wonderful job. I think Kathy Hokel, I looked at her face. I saw nothing in her eyes. But once again, I think Bruce and Nassau County stepped up during a tragedy. I know you feel the same way.
12: Yeah, Farmingdale is a wonderful community. The school is great. I, I, I represented them the entire time that I was in Congress. They're great people, and it's an absolute tragedy. Also, speaking of Nassau County, Pat Ryder and the Nassau County Police were involved, you know, doing all that they could. And Pat told me to say hello to you this morning. But, no, Bruce has done him. an excellent job. Bruce, Bruce has really stepped up. I mean, I – I knew he would, but now the people of Nassau and hopefully all the people in in this region realize that the job that he's doing, and his heart is in it, and what happened is a tragedy. There are still four or five kids in critical condition. Hopefully they're going to come around. They're expected to uh, uh, fully recover. I hope they do, but I can't emphasize what a great community Farmingdale is the mayor there. I mean, it's just a, uh, a real solid American community, similar to where you live. It's that, yeah. that type of people. Yeah. I'll just put it yeah. that way.
8: Yeah, no, I agree with you. You're right. It is very similar to that Rockaway, Bell Harbor, and the Ponset area. Final 60 seconds. I read all your posts. I love them. Uh, and a lot of them are politics, but a lot of sports. And when you talk sports these days, Peter, you admit it on this show, you're basically done with the NFL, you're done with the NBA, but you still love baseball. You're still a Met fan. Lousy year this year, but you're still a Met Band. So you remember 1969 very well and that World Series win over Baltimore. Yesterday we lost Brooks Robinson at the age of 86, 16 straight Golden Gloves, four ALCS appearances, two World Series, 1964 MVP, and, of course, teaming up with Frank Robinson in 1966. Really took the Orioles to a completely different stratosphere. Your memories of the great Brooks Robinson.
12: Uh, he was a, a human vacuum cleaner down at third base. Incredible. Probably the best hands of any third baseman ever. I didn't know him personally, but I was on a text exchange yesterday with Ed Cranepool. Said he's one of the nicest guys you ever met because they knew him from the 1969 World Series and others. Anyone in sports that I know who knew Brooks says he was a great guy. But to watch him, he was almost like an acrobat. It almost looked as if someone had put the film together when you see the plays that he made down there. Perfect gentleman. So, again, he's going to be lost. Also, you did mention sports. I am still an enthusiastic Notre Dame football fan. My heart was broken on Saturday oh, night. Oh, tough. Highest, that last uh, second touchdown. Yeah. And, and actually, tomorrow morning, uh, I'm going out to Notre Dame. We're having a uh, law school reunion, so I'll be out there. And uh, But anyway, that, that game on Saturday night was you know, a, a a real heartbreak. That's yeah. all
8: I can say. I know. I was rooting for Notre Dame because of you and my neighbor, Jackie Barello, now Jackie Felton, her father, Anthony, who loves you. He's a big Irish guy. He's
12: great. He's the best. He is best.
8: I know. And, and we had the German. lead there 14-10 late, and the Buckeyes get that uh, last second touchdown. Nevertheless, it's still a good year. Sam Hartman's doing a great job at quarterback, and we'll see yeah. what the rest of the year provides. But I was thinking about you and rooting for you, uh, uh Peter, on uh, Saturday with the Fighting Irish. Hey, great job as always today. I love having you. Have yourself a great. Week we'll do it again next week, buddy. Thank you so much.
12: And, and happy birthday to Danielle.
8: Ah, uh, thank you, Peter. She loves you. You know she loves you. You and your whole family. Thank you, Peter. That wraps up hour number three, and we got a real big guest coming up in hour number four. One of the great talk show hosts in the history of our business. And I don't say that of a lot of folks, but this guy really is Michael Savage coming up at nine thirty. Keep it right here. <laughs>
1: radio 77 wabc sit in friends in the morning 77 wabc
8: while i get a um something on social media that's like so stupid well that every be once in a while i get stuff every day that's really stupid but but i have to read it because it's so stupid this is um asap media i don't know who this person is but um at one point he did say you're the man which is nice because i beat up anthony scaramucci but since it's been one annoying post after another Peter King is a rhino shut up with the rhino stuff god I'm so tired of that of hearing that I said that time and time again shut up he should listen to Steve Bannon somebody says that that's that's when you put the block uh, you put the block on and then he goes "You ready for this so should you
2: Steve Bannon yeah
0: <laughs>
8: Steve Bannon block oh yeah. I mean, is there anybody more detestable? And yeah. I know we he helped Trump win <laughs> oh, and, and all that. Exactly. That's great. And Donald likes him. Donald is still loyal to Steve Bannon. I know he is. And that's fine. He can do that. But to me, there's there's very few people in this world more detestable and unlikable and gross than Steve Bannon. My God. Not to mention, his show is actually un- unlistable. Uh, uh, of course it is. So whoever you are, do me a favor. Go F yourself. Okay. And you're the man.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you're the man. Thank you for the thank you for the kind words.
2: <laughs> Shut up, Blue. Well,
8: it's been such a great show already. I, I, and we still have Michael Savage. I remember when uh, we were at Cumulus, Michael Savage was on the station.
0: That's right. He was on afternoons, right? In Enwell. well. No,
8: I was down in South Florida. Michael Savage was on the station, and and um, did well.
9: <laughs> well, you yeah.
8: That's when the, uh, who's that little annoying Jewish kid who's, like, really smart with that annoying voice and that staccato approach? Oh, Ben Shapiro. That little bastard started showing up. And I remember one of the geniuses of Cumulus, I forget which one, like, hey, you should put Shapiro on the show with you and Bernie. And I'm like, no. I'm like, he's smart, he's very smart, much smarter than me. It's not even close, but he just, and he's annoying, you know. So we put him on. And I refused to ask him anything about politics. I'm like, let me ask you something, kid. What do you do for fun? <laughs> I swear to God. And management came back and said, Well, if you're going to put him on, at least be serious. I said, Serious about what? Anyway, that didn't last long. And I don't think he lasted long. Did he? Did he?
0: I I wasn't there. Oh,
8: well, you got fired?
0: No, I was gone. Well, but you all
8: got fired. You and I missing everybody. That's what I've said. Yeah. I'm just gone. I'm fired. You right. weren't fired. He was fired. Of course, he, you know, it was kind of like um, Jimmy Johnson got more Hall of Fame coaches fired in the NFL than anyone. You know, if you read the book, they say Don Shula resigned. And Don Shula resigned in Miami like I resigned from WFAN. Here's how the call went. Mark Chernoff, you can resign and avoid some embarrassment or I'm going to fire you. I said, okay, I'll resign.
2: <laughs>
8: then the same thing happened with uh, Tom Landry in Dallas. He resigned in Dallas when Jimmy became the coach. Well, I must resign like I resign, you know. Like, we're not paying you anymore. Your ratings suck. You're an old bastard. Get out.
0: (laughs) That's not how my
8: conversation went.
0: (laughs) No. (laughs) No. Sorry about that. That was not. uh, Lou, your last day will be. That's how mine went. Yeah,
8: but you got the ultimate revenge because the same people that said to you, your last day will be are employing you now. Not John and Margo, but Chad, at least. Yes. So you get the ultimate revenge. And Chad always loved you. It wasn't I mean, Chad. None of this was Chad's decision. It, it, it was it, Mary it, Burner. and. I know.
0: Indeed, it wasn't. He wanted me to stay. Yeah, he loves you. Yeah.
8: Of course he loves you. What's not to love you? the most talented guy at that position in the history of the business.
0: Well, I got these pictures. Uh, I mean, yeah. uh, no, I like them. No, I mean, he likes them.
8: I think you do have pictures. Maybe not of him, but of, of people.
0: i'm looking at one that i think i have (laughs) oh
8: i'm sure you do yes (laughs) i would hope everybody has (laughs) (laughs) what up justin
0: (laughs) what do you do for fun (laughs) what do you do for fun kid ben shapiro that's who you gotta you gotta ask gordon chang next time gordon chang what does he do for fun
8: i don't mark levin i know he likes dogs yeah savage likes dogs he likes dogs he likes cars he likes vitamins (laughs) He does, and he loves botany. He's a widow like that. He loves to play with his flowers.
9: I mean, I guess you need a hobby when you... uh...
8: We just got this text. I'm not going to say his name. It wouldn't be right, but he's one of the most respected people in the country. I mean that. Quote, Steve Bannon always looks like some drunk who wandered in off the street. Exactly right. Oh, terrible. I should listen to Steve Bannon. You idiot. (laughs) I'm going to learn something. Yeah. ASAP Media.
9: Yeah.
0: He's the guy across the street. When you're walking down, and you run to the other side of the street.
9: Yeah, that's Bannon. exactly, staggering yeah. at me. Oh and I think there's a, there's a certain age cutoff. Like you, you shouldn't be allowed to grow out your hair. I
8: know <laughs> no, you a look stupid. Age. Well, you know what? Where's his hair stupid like that? Is um, you know, I love her um, Kellyanne, her oh. ex-husband. Yeah,
9: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. George, cut, but that's, on MSNBC, that's clearly, you look that's clearly stupid. Fake hair. No. I think Bannon's is a real.
8: Well, so basically what I'm saying is, ASAP Media, shut up, listen to the show, mind your business, and, and don't ever text me something as dumb as that again. Because if you think it was smart, it wasn't, you're stupid. Okay? You're now, the, what am I supposed to do here? And you're the man. Steve Bannon would know.
9: Uh, <laughs> Arthur Turbitz is on the line.
8: Oh, that's right. You know, we didn't have a chance to talk to uh, Turbitz Monday because it was Yom Kippur, and I was supposed to take yesterday off, so you're right. Here he is uh, Mr NJ diet lose a contractually guaranteed 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days njdiet.com or 8555 diet my man author of it's dr t good morning t
13: good good
10: morning to you happy new year
8: happy new year to you too hope oh, that easy happy
10: fast happy and healthy happy healthy to you and yours did you fast on monday i always That's do a good George I,
8: I always do Sometimes I fast for an hour, sometimes four, sometimes eight, sometimes 12. Depends on the day. But I can guarantee you at some point I was fasting, yes?
10: I, I, I go hardcore every year till about five or six, and then I have to... And then I have to jam a few bagels down my
8: throat. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) There's nothing better. There there really is nothing better than bagels and appetizing on that night. I know there's nothing better. Nothing, right? Uh, A little little masa ball soup to start. And what a night uh, for you because I just realized that you get to break the fast on Monday and then your beloved Philadelphia Eagles run Monday Night Football.
10: I know, it was fantastic. It's it's a good time in Philly land now. The Eagles are three and oh, big win uh against Tampa. The Phillies clinched the playoffs yesterday. So everybody's going crazy there. It's uh it's fantastic. Unfortunately, I'm looking at the uh at the uh uh matchups in baseball, I don't think they're getting past the Braves. So. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. They did it last year. Maybe they could do it this year. We'll uh, see what they happens. They did
8: last year. You're right. And the Braves were also a 100-win team last year. are he's a good, a good baseball team. They got some good firepower. They, they,
10: ha- they didn't have a Kuna last year. That that's uh, true. That guy makes a hu- huge, huge, huge difference.
8: No, that is uh, true.
10: The, yep. the uh, Giants, unfortunately, Giants and Jets might be looking at one and three. I mean, the Jets definitely, I don't think they're beating Kansas City, right? No, uh, the Giants. And the Giants uh, might be staring at one and three also. So yeah, that's what that's that's what's a happening. You know, yeah, last no, night uh, I'm watching. What last you, night yeah. I, I I don't know how I never knew how I felt about that runner in second on second base to start to start extra Oh, it's stupid. And then, well, last night my wife wanted we wanted to finish up suits. We had two episodes left to finish out the whole series, <laughs> and she's whining that she we got to watch it. We got to watch it. I I can't. I got to finish watching the game. And it was fantastic. They were able to win, and I'm able to watch Suits. You know, it's funny you say that.
8: Yeah, my daughter came home. She went back to college now. But uh, all summer, I would come home from work or during dinner time, and she'd have that show, Suits On. I never watched it 12 years ago when it was all the rage, and I loved it. Meghan Markle, but, of course, the two guys, the lawyers, just great. And, again, I never watched it when it was popular years ago. But to your point, I loved it this summer. It was a great show.
10: It was a great show, and it got a major, major uh, a following because it went on Netflix. That's and so right. People, people, the producer of it, Aaron Korsh, I think his name is, he was saying how it just rejuvenated the whole show. and so many more people watching it, and it's a very good show. I mean, it, it, they sort of jumped the shark uh, after about four or five seasons like a lot of these shows, but it was still a pretty good watch. It was a r- really good, entertaining show. We were able to binge it and uh, finished it up yesterday. Now I, now I officially
8: have nothing to watch. Have you seen Gravesend? No, I haven't seen that. Do, that you, really do you, do you, you like sense? I'm in that. I'm in five of the nine episodes. It's a great mob show. Why wouldn't you watch that?
10: I Honestly, I haven't heard about it. I, fantastic. I'm on it today. I'll, I'll be doing it later. I'll let you know. Uh, how uh, go.
8: Let me tell you, it's uh, William DeMeo's piece, but you got here are some of the actors in the show. Peter Gordio, Chris Momondo, Chaz Palminteri, Vinnie Pistori, John Forsyth, Sid Rosenberg, Boat Deedle, Chuck Zito, Gina Gershon, Fran Drescher, Andrew Dice Clay. You impressed yet?
10: I'm fully impressed. You had me at, you had me at Big
8: Pussy. (laughs) Yeah, Vinny's in it. Yeah, Vinny's in it. And then when you're done watching the nine episodes of Gravesend on, it's actually on Amazon Prime, not Netflix. Then you have to watch a movie called Inside Man, which just came out weeks ago. It's number two on Amazon right now. That is the true story about the former Brooklyn mob bar called the Gemini Lounge. And I'm in that one too. So you gotta watch them both.
10: I'm in. I'll let, All you right. know. I'll let you know when we talk on Monday. We'll get All it
8: started. All right. Don't forget, Gravesend and Inside Man, Auditor of it, folks, NJ Diet, 8555, NJ Diet, NJDiet.com. Do I do the uh, Tunnel to Towers here? No. All right. We'll First take a fun. short break, come back, we'll do that, and talk to Michael Savage. All that coming up. All
2: right, Follow Me.
1: the Morning. 77 WABC.
8: Talking in your sleep, the romantics here at 932. Gorgeous day here in New York. Finally, the rain has stopped. It is sunny. Highs today. High 60s. We'll go back to 77 degrees on Monday. Joe Tacopina, my dear friend, famous defense attorney, Donald Trump's attorney, still listening, checks in and says, yes, Gravesend is great. My recommendation to Dr. T for a great show on Amazon Prime. So years ago, I used to work at the station down in... um, Palm Beach, but it started in Pompano Beach. It was my last stay in Florida. A man named Steve Lappa hired me, and it was 640 Sports. It was the smallest of all the Florida stations, but I got fired from every other one, so I had no choice. And it actually uh, propelled me to get back to New York, which turned out to be great. But long story short, 640 had a sister station, 850 in Fort Lauderdale. It's still there. And I became very friendly with the afternoon host. Her name is Joyce Kalman. She's on this show quite a bit. And I used to listen to a guy named uh, Michael Savage, and and I thought he was great. And I think I I I found out that Savage has a sister that lives in Delray Beach, and she was a huge fan of mine, even though I was on the sports station, not the politics station. This could be all lies, mind you. Probably is, but that's what I was told, that Michael Savage's sister in Delray loved me. And Michael came on every now and then. He probably doesn't remember. But i got to tell you. Uh, I believe that there are so many people in the history of this medium that are vastly overrated. I do. You know, some of the people that you mentioned some of the old time greats well, fine. They were fine. They were okay. At the risk of sounding like a total douchebag, I think I'm better than all of them. I really do. And Michael Savage, I think is one of the old time greats. I do. He's an interesting guy. He's smart. You know, he's not doing radio these days. He's doing a podcast, he's writing books talks about God, botany, vitamins, all that stuff. So here he is, in my estimation, one of the all-time great talkers ever, the very talented Michael Savage. Michael, good morning, pal. How are you?
6: Sid, I wouldn't get up this early for an ambulance. (laughs) Only for you, my friend.
8: Was that funny, Mike? Any truth to that story that you had a sister in Delray Beach who was an avid 640 listener? Is that true or
6: not true? I refuse to answer that question under the grounds that I may go. That, know,
8: mean, that means that I'm right. I'm
6: not going to indict myself. Yeah, of course I do. No, I used to live down there. I have a house down there. I never go there. I hate Florida.
8: You hate, why? Because of the heat, right? You hate it. Who would live there but a lizard? <laughs> Is this Louis Black or Michael Savage?
6: <laughs> I have a house down there with a full-time mate. I never go to it. I look at it online. I don't like Florida. Maybe one week a year I'll go down there. No, I'm not I'm a kid. A lot of people love Florida. I don't care for it. You know where I live outside of San Francisco—the best weather on earth, the worst social policies on the planet. I was
8: going to say, I mean, Mike. I mean, you know, listen. I spent 16 years in Boca, and Uh, I I was the only guy, the only one, 48 years old. That was the only putts driving north on I-95 when the world was going south to Florida. (laughs) I couldn't wait to get back to New York and get a real job at a real radio station.
6: But I have to tell you, ABC is great. I was on ABC for years. I you know, that when I was on the station, which I love, it's still, to me, a great, great station. I was listening to you. You know, Sid, i got to tell you this. I have not done radio since I left three years ago. I don't listen to the radio. Once you leave a medium, it's hard to listen to it because you only want to hear yourself anyway, and you're only listening to people to see if they're better than you or worse. Right. <laughs> so, so I'm not on the air anymore. I do my podcasts. I do a, a lot of YouTube stuff on, on on religious stuff I like on Sunday mornings. Uh, but, you know, I, I listened to you on the way in here, meaning, you know, I turned it on on ABC streaming. It's very exciting. You have a very natural flow. You keep it moving. You know, even with all the ads in between, you can still hear Sid. And you've got a nice voice. You've got a, a, an on-air presence that comes across, Sid. And I know why you're successful. I mean, you relate to the audience, and they hear you.
8: Well, that is, um, that's is—that's an oh my God coming from you because you heard my introduction when I brought you on. I, oh my God, I didn't know what you were talking about. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I meant it, though, because, I, you know, I, I look for example, I'm going to tell you this. At the risk of uh, maybe making you upset, I loved Rush Limbaugh. It broke my heart when he died. He was way too young. I never thought he was all that great on the air. You know, Sean Hannity, who makes oh, $50 million, he does the same show every day. I love the guy. I love him. He's a great guy. But these people, are, you, you on the other hand... See, for me, it's very simple, Mike. I need some unpredictability. I can't hear the same thing over and over. I go from talking to Joe Boningo about the Jets to talking about Joseph Tacopino about Donald Trump to talking to you about God. To me, that's a fun radio show, right?
6: (laughs) Well, you triggered me now with the God thing, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get me started now. I don't want to become like a holy roller here. But that's all I'm interested in right now. The truth is, okay, so I got older. I had a health issue. I mean, if people don't come to God at a certain point in their life, who are they? What are they? What are they? Like a dog in the street? I mean, we're spiritual animals, right? So at some point, no matter how cynical you are, you're going to come to God or he's going to come to you if you're lucky, right? So, you know, years ago I interviewed one of the great Jewish gangsters. I hate to use the word great in Jewish gangster, but he was a Jewish gangster, a murderer, a stone-cold killer. And he said well, – Who was it? He, Hold he
8: had, on. Was it Meyer Lansky, Bugsy Siegel? You're too young. Who was it?
6: No, no. but he, he knew them. He grew up with them. They okay. were his fre- the friends of his uncle or his father. I don't, even, you know, I don't want to go into it because okay. I, I appreciate living. But <laughs> he said that he only found God after he was broken in, in a prison hospital, meaning I don't want to wait for that day you know you got to embrace what's out there while you're, while you're still good and still
8: walking know, the walking. but earth. what but what happens for example i'm a recovering addict okay so uh, yes i am drugs alcohol I, i've had issues with just about everything in life if you show it to me i'm addicted so <laughs> i've been to more 12-step meetings and you've been to restaurants but on a serious note they they ask us now look god doesn't have to be god i remember in AA, god stood for a group of uh, group of drunks it uh, doesn't have to be God, but many folks go into these programs, they do find God because they hit rock bottom. I don't believe there was a rock bottom for Michael Savage. What made you find God?
6: Well, I never, I never lost God. Remember, I wandered the earth looking for healing plants while other people were going to medical
8: school. I love that. I love you know. that.
6: So I, I was always into serving God because of a tragedy in my family when I was young, and I don't want to pull the strings of the, of the listeners. I had a brother who was born a certain way. I didn't know why God did that to him but i realized rather late in life that these people who we consider to be somewhat handicapped or defective they're actually our leaders in some ways if we only reach out to these people who god brought to us damaged they're here for a reason and the reason is they're our leaders in some ways if we just tune ourselves down into where they're at and slow ourselves down from the ego trip that we're all on but yeah, we're getting off the track. you got a fun show to make everyone cry. I,
8: <laughs> know what? Yeah. I make them cry. I talk about a lot of very personal stuff. My father died. I shared that with my audience three years ago. It was a oh, brutal boy. time. I tell you what, I cried just this week on the air. My daughter went back to college, Michael, for her second year. She goes to school in Europe. She doesn't go to Florida State. And uh, she left that day, and I cried the first segment of the show, and I had I know, zero it's a
2: realize.
6: terrible thing. It's once horrible. your children leave the... Ne- well, you realize you're one step closer to the grave once you can, Well, I,
8: I wasn't thinking about it like that, but thank you. <laughs> 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 no, you're right. I think about that every day. Today, for example, is my beautiful wife Danielle's birthday. She oh, refuses well. to celebrate. She goes, when we were younger, we go, out, we have drinks. It was fun. As you get older, she wants to celebrate less and less. I'm like, but what do you mean? Think of the alternative. At least we're here to celebrate it. It's great, no?
6: Stay home, watch a Netflix show, and order a pizza. I mean, it-
8: exactly. Oh, you don't have to go out and party like we used to. But on a serious uh, note, it, uh, it certainly beats the alternative. I'll tell you that. Michael Savage, he's got a podcast. He's got a new book. He does the God Talk segments. He just uh, he just spoke about that. So was it true, Michael, that you were a little boy and you were roaming the streets? Jamaica Queens that on the right side of your house was Donald Trump and the left side was Andrew Cuomo is that true
6: (laughs) (laughs) I lived at 7310 Utopia Parkway and uh, Union Turnpike cut across that area and you know up on the other side in Jamaica States were the quote rich people near Cunningham Park Trump lived in one of the rich people's houses which today looks like a small cottage to me you know you look as a kid but he lived up there near the park near the rich people, near uh, near Cunningham Park. But he went to New York Military Academy by limousine. I went to Jamaica High School by Q44A. <laughs>
8: <laughs> <laughs> but, but yet, correct me if I'm wrong, but I distinctly remember picking up my daughter Ava at the train when she was going to Bach in West Palm Beach and putting you on every afternoon on 850 Fort Lauderdale and I could have sworn I heard you more than once early on before Mark Levin. He was a don't forget. He was a, it was a Ted Cruz guy Before any of these guys talking to Donald Trump. Yes.
6: I, I called it before they, they all did. In fact, when Trump won, I, I went to Mar-a-Lago soon after the election. He came in with the Secret Service, uh, you know, entourage. I was at a table with people. <clears throat> I got up and went over. The Secret Service tried to wave me away. I was like a lunatic, like a groupie. I went up to him. So Trump, you know him, he waved the Secret Service away. He said, no, no, he put his arm around me. He's a big guy. I'm a short guy. He put his arm around me and bellows out. Without this man, I wouldn't be president. There
0: you go.
8: He
6: never forgets a friend, and he never forgets an enemy. I'll tell you that about him.
8: <laughs> I've been both to him. I voted for Hillary Clinton, but now he and I are very, very, very close. He's on this show practically every two or three months, so I've been both. So on this uh, podcast of yours, uh, Michael, I, I listened to your radio show for years. I could I could almost quote it verse, but the podcast, what, 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 what do you talk about most of the time?
6: It's a totally different format. You know, if you do a repurposed radio show as a podcast, it's one thing. If you do original podcasts, it's another. So I do original podcasts. I tend to be guest heavy. I get a guest on. The beauty of a podcast is we could talk uninterruptedly for about an hour with nothing breaking us up. So you get a good flow going. And I also, you know, don't get the palpitations from every minute a music breaker, this breaker, that. I mean, God bless AM radio, but my head couldn't you know, handle it today. But I love AM radio. It's a very exciting medium. I do different things. I mean, this week I did a great thing on the war. I don't even want to bring you into it. I don't know where you stand on this. To me, this is the greatest tragedy of my life. You're you're talking
8: about, obviously, the war, Ukraine, Russia. Where I stand is, is I don't know if this president is compromised. I don't know if, uh, hey, we're just, you know, trying to help these people out. But for me, for me, and, I, and believe me when I tell you I cry when I look at the videos, I feel horrible. Enough is enough. That's how I feel. Enough
4: is enough.
6: Let's be clear. The people suffering the most here are the Ukrainians. Eight million have fled. Many of them will never come back. Poland's taken a lot of them in. I had Colonel McGregor on many times. The guy is a genius. Uh, served with the biggest tank battle in, in Iraq. West Point, PhD, great guy. He says 400,000 Ukrainians have been slaughtered in this war. That's right.
8: Compared to 50,000 Russians. So people
6: yeah. understand what that number means. And here we got a lying government that tells us they're winning. You hear? And don't get me started about Zelensky. He looks like a kid from Queens that you wouldn't have hung around with. This guy is like Creep City.
8: I say it all the time, and I get yelled at by guys like Peter King. I don't trust Zelensky, not even a little. I saw his wife on 60 Minutes this week. I trust her less. And i got to tell you, Mike, we send these people a lot of money, lots of billions of dollars. I have no idea how much goes to the war efforts and how much goes into Zelensky's savings account. And I mean that sincerely.
6: It's the most corrupt country on earth before the war. You can imagine what they're doing now with the money flowing in with no accountability. Thank you. Think about our Congress for a minute. Think about this. There was a chance to pass a bill where there was accountability for the billions we we're sending to Zelensky and his friends. And Congress, the most corrupt Congress in American history, votes down any accountability. So how much is flowing back to the mansions in Boca, for example? Uh, here in America, you know, it's not all going there. A lot of us doing a, re- a reverse, uh, reverse flow here.
2: Yeah.
8: I noticed how you picked my old neighborhood, Boca. That's nice, Mike. I uh, want to ask you, though, you're out there by San Francisco. And while Ukraine, Russia is important, don't get me wrong. And I do feel horrible for the yeah, Ukrainian horrible. people, I live in New York City, and I am watching every day the ruination, the deterioration of one of the greatest cities. It is a mess. Yeah, unbelievable. And you guys are doing the same thing. I, you know, I'm an actor. I've done a couple of films out in Los Angeles. I've seen The Tents. I know what's going on in San Francisco. There was a time 20 years ago where I would have loved to live in couldn't afford it, but I'd love to live in San Francisco. What is happening to your state? Same thing as mine, but how depressing is it for you? <laughs>
6: I don't know where to get started here. You know, I know the solution. I've called for it ever since I was on radio. What is it? You don't have to be a genius. Everyone sits and wrings their hands. What is it? You get leaders with balls, and they round up the homeless. They put them in internment camps, meaning nice facilities. I don't mean concentration camps. I'm talking about the same kind of barracks housing that our soldiers lived in in World War II. Basic, minimal, right? And you put them 100 miles away from any city center. That's number one. And you police them, and you have certain rules. You violate the rules, you go to the next stage. But you don't put them on a pedestal and make them into sacred cows. This is ridiculous. And then you put... Into those camps, all the lawyers, all the Marvins from the ACLU, <laughs> put them put them into the put them into the same housing with them, so they could give them all of the legal help that they need out there, a hundred miles from a city.
8: I love that. See, I love both of those. I, you know, in fact, at this station, me and John Katz Matidis, I know you know him very well. You guys are friends. We say all the time, don't close Rikers Island. On the other hand, use Rikers Island. I say put three groups of people. You so many, there's so much acreage out there, Michael. You can put criminals, you can put illegals, and homeless on Rikers Island. Don't close it. Use it, which is very similar to what you are you're saying. Missing
6: one demographic. What's that? The ACLU. Right,
8: you're right. <laughs> I love that too. So when uh, when can people get your podcast? Is it weekly? Is it a couple of times well, a week?
6: I put up new ones every every Tuesday, every Friday. But the beauty of podcasts. It's like I have a library of 500 shows. All my radio listeners, uh, many of them know. I mean, I have about four, five hundred, six hundred thousand people a week listen to the to the podcast. That's guaranteed. My ad agency represents three thousand podcasts. They tell me I'm in the top five, so there is an audience there for it. All they're going to do is any people that watch listen to a podcast anywhere you go, Spotify, whatever, Apple, and you put in Michael Savage you talk to Siri and say. Schmendrick, Michael Savage on whatever, Michael Savage podcast, yeah. and that's it. That it comes up. You listen in your car here and there. I enjoy it. I do miss the excitement of radio. And remember, I got to say this, Sid, before you go. First of all, thank you for having me. Of course. This is the first radio show I have done since I left radio. Wow. First.
4: Wow. I'm honored. I'm humbled.
6: It humble. may be my last, but it's my first. <laughs> And the only reason I did it is because I like you. I've heard you before. I know you're a nice guy. Actually, my sister told me how much she likes you. There you go. There you go. I don't want to push this too much as well be a scandal here.
8: <laughs> well, it's an honor for me because, uh, and I meant what I said at the very top of the show, I think you are truly, I mean this, one of the greatest of all time. I do think there's more radio in your future. I do. I mean, enjoy the podcasting stuff and knock them dead. But uh, my money says Michael Savage will be back on Russia Radio again. You know why, Mike? I'll tell you why. You ready? I'll tell you why. Because you're too good not to. So thank you for doing this today.
6: Sid, God bless you. you and too. God keep you well.
8: You too. You're brilliant. I love you. That's Michael Savage, everybody. That was fun. Now, that was fun. That son of a bitch can talk. Now it's time. It's a Wednesday. My buddy Frank Siller. And he was always entertaining and funny. Oh, he's great. And uh, now I've got him. Uh, he, he almost said the same exact thing Kelly Ripa said. Uh, how many people can tell me I'm great till I actually start to believe it?
0: Oh, please. like oh, it not believe Shut up,
8: Lou. Like like be don't, quiet. Don't
1: believe it. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. And
2: I would do anything for love. I'd run around. I would do anything for love I'll never let you and that's a fact But I'll never forget the way you feel right now Oh no, no way And I would do anything for love But I won't do that
8: not do that. All right, folks. Thank you, Lou Ruffino. Great job today. Justin Ellick, Noam Laden. Once again, happy birthday here to Meatloaf. And a happy birthday to my beautiful wife, Danielle. Happy birthday, sweetheart. And Joe Beningo, too. We'll do it again tomorrow. Got a big show. Maybe the mayor. Enjoy Brian Kilmeade. He's coming up next. See you tomorrow, folks.
2: Peace. Peace and some match caught in
8: nice